Hello and welcome to this, the Ian Prendercast, another Carlton podcast. We're brought to you as always by 121 Media and MGA for now. <coughs> My name is Sean Peter Budge and I'm sat across from the good doctor, Tim Davis. How was your Mother's Day, Dr. Davis? Oh, we jammed a lot in, Sean, to be mm-hmm. honest. So looked after Lisi at home. She wanted uh, chocolate croissants from the bakery at the Pines, so what she wants, she shall get. Baker's bun? Yeah, that one up the end near Indulgence Cafe, across from the sushi fellow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, the, in the food court itself. Yeah, okay. Baker's bun. They used to do amazing jam donuts. Well, they still do jam donuts, whether they're the same ones. They're similar, but you know what the problem is? They're tell just, me. Tell me. I don't, it's like... Uh, uh, inflation's hitting hard. Yes, because they were like three dollars, and then they went to like three fifty. Then they went to three eighty, and I think now they might be over four. It's a lot for a donut. It's just not happening. <laughs> <laughs> not happening. <coughs> so we did that, and uh, and we got coffee for um, my mum and dad and my younger sister Kath, who you know. Yes. Um, and went round to mum and dad's and chatted to them in the morning. Yep. And then we juggled Torrens. Running the boundary for under 15s. Did you say this? And then I found my way to the GWS comedy. <laughs> I love this. I love, I love that. I was just waiting for it. I thought, do we take that off the mixer just yet? And I thought, no, we don't <laughs> because of an instance like this. So we were told, look, we can't record yesterday, the boys. We can't record yesterday. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, Mother's Day, these two are sheep. To Mother's Day and Father's Day and all those made-up Hallmark holidays. Just love your mum and dad and every day or just randomly, just just next weekend, take mum out to dinner. Just, I mean, a month's time, surprise her with lunch. I must say... Why I, do you have to be told to do it by your iPhone? I, I'm not a big Valentine's Day kind Same of a thing. fella. Because why would you pay $120 for a dozen red roses when you could probably do it for 50 Yes. You know, three weeks later. But just generally, I I knew you'd be slaves to Mother's Day and I thought, yeah, fair enough. And then Tim dropped, I'm actually going to the Giants game as well. And I thought, really? (laughs) Really? Well, we're allowed to do these things. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But not a surprise, to be honest. Um, I'm now looking for this one. The Podfather ain't here. Damn it. Damn it. He's not here. We're not going to bury the lead. We're going to have to soldier on without him. We'll have to put the Battle of Blake Acres Part 3 on hold for next week. Um, I will take several pot shots at him throughout the course of the record. <laughs> That's a surprise. Um, I will make it known that obviously Fabian not here, just body not uh, cooperating with him today. He uh, he is effectively, I did say on the text, he's the David Cunningham of the pod. We love what he does when he's fit, but I think his body lets him down too often. So I'm just letting it known we're going to make him available uh, on uh, the trade wire come the 2023-24 Carlton Content Expansion Draft. Going to see what we can get for him, what we can turn him into. We're going to do what Carlton didn't do last year with DeConning. I hear. I'm just going to I see hear. what's out there in the marketplace. Is he worth two first rounders, Fabaganush, or well, for Baganush, as I others think, uh, prefer to say? Well, I think we've just got to be we've just got to be, be mindful that with uh, old. Where is my Fabaganush clip? Tell me, I didn't. Fabaganush. We've just got to be mindful with old Fabaganush that um, <laughs> just with the body, you know, maybe. I think it's a bit Judd-like in that. At the end of Juddy's career, like he wasn't Chris Judd anymore, but he was still, you know, better than seventy-five percent of the competition. Correct. It was like Cooter late too. It was exactly right, and I think that's what Fabaganow uh, Fabaga she's sort of juggling is that when he gets on pod, you know, it's good. Um, 
he's just unable to do it maybe as often as he used to. And in fairness to him, and he even said it himself, the last couple of weeks, you know, content and contribution There's was... There's been a lift. It was, it was high. He was good off a spell. Yes. Looked refreshed. Yes. Uh, dipped. And then obviously unavailable this week. So it's gone a bit shinny, you reckon? Yeah, I think that's the issue. So, you know, maybe we just have to, you know, like a horse potentially as well, you know, just spell him yes. every so often. Actually, on that, can I just add something for uh, long time pod listeners? Well, it feels like you're going to do it even if I say. One of my best mates, Kane, who I used to work with, Kane lives up in Sydney. Shout out to Kane, not a listener. Um, he was famously one of the co-owners of Sacred Captain, who was oh, no. uh, you know pod favourite horse. He owns another horse now, a horse called Party for One. Party for One was uh, – it was pretty much been the bet of the day three fortnights in a row, but Party for One as a horse likes to get right back and rattle home like a freight train and miss. It's a good, it's a good trade in a horse to rattle home. Well, it can run. It's got speed. Anyway, 19 starts for one win and it was staying to get costly – and he went round, better the day, on Saturday, she rather, and uh, Blake Shin rode it, barrier five, sat fourth, right up on the speed, where you would want it to be. A couple of hairy moments in the straight at Flemington where it didn't quite get out, but when she saw daylight, away she went, one by a couple of lengths. So Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, correct. So party for one. If it had gotten out, it would have won by five, but uh, it, was, it was good. It was very good. But for a fellow that uh, missed out on a good one with Sacred Captain... Might have another good one with Party for One. I'm just checking. Beast Mode Crips sent us a Prender Bingo card. I did see that. <laughs> so I'm just checking. We're six minutes in. And we're half done. Sean and Fab fighting maybe technically gets a, a tick. I've, I've wound him up. He just wasn't here to respond. Uh, Blakers, we've mentioned him. GWS. GWS has got a mention. <laughs> I think it was GWS on it. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh it's down big, the big bottom. sound, big, yeah, big sound. That's on it. the one. <laughs> I mentioned daylight. That's a that's a '90s film reference. So we're ticking along. We've got four or so off the mark. No, without really breaking a sweat. So that's a good start. Um, it's a shame, actually, that uh, for Baganash isn't here because I was going to wind him up about um, the movie Air. I've not seen it. I do have the day off today. I was half thinking of going to see it, but uh... I've got it. I'll just give it to you. Oh, okay. Um, let's do that. <sighs> I watched it on Friday night and you know what? I'm just going to say it to anyone out there who thinks this is a good movie. I think less of you as a person. Well, I, well, clearly I haven't seen it, no. but, but the, the couple of bits and pieces that I've sort of heard is it's a great story. But is it? Well, but the best story is they bet on Michael Jordan. Yes. And Jordan wins. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and he wins in every way possible. You know, he's had <coughs> you stellar know, career. I was watching it, and I thought to myself, partway through the film, I was like, "This is, this is the Bohemian Rhapsody way to tell this story." Yeah, yeah. It's just artless, soulless, formulaic. Is it a half-hour story? Probably told far too long and just well, trying to oh, bolt on. I reckon it only goes for like a hundred minutes, so yeah. it doesn't it doesn't overstay its welcome. Yeah. But you know what the problem is? I got it, the... It, but it, it is a, ba- a great story in that... It's a docker. The, the, brand, the brand had a renaissance on the back of a single athlete and a single deal, and there was a crossroads for Michael Jordan of who do you go with? And it just makes you wonder, like the wild success that was MJ, what would the world have looked like if he was wearing Converse or if he was wearing mm. Adidas? Would it have been exactly the same? 
Or did Nike, well, that was a point did, of did difference Nike as well. create a great shoe that became iconic and that's what we all see and know today? Well, see, this or is was it going to happen anyway? So, so my scant understanding of the story was, did you ever watch, did you watch the Winning Time, the telly series on the Lakers? Uh, I watched bits and pieces. I didn't watch enough of it, but being a Lakers fan, I'm disappointed it's not, that look, I it's, haven't. Again, take some license. Yep. So it's it's a it's that era. It's the early '80s in this stage of the show, and it's this idea of it. Oh, the air just transported me back to that time. It was like, did it? Because <laughs> to me, it was. I was just watching Ben Affleck in a bad wig and sleepwalking through the film, and fat middle-aged Matt Damon. It was like, <laughs> it just wasn't. Oh, ugh. But that that had a scene in it where Phil Knight approaches Magic Johnson at a convention or something, and basically pitches him this crazy deal. Because the idea was Nike had to do something. They couldn't just go and offer the same deal that everyone else was getting. Yep. And the attitude was Phil Knight went, again, how true this interaction is. But I, I sat there watching Air and I thought that was a one-minute scene that was a bit of an Easter egg. Phil Knight, Nike man, offering Magic Johnson this crazy deal. And I thought, yeah, that's a far more interesting story of Nike going – Realistically, Adidas, Converse, they've got the market share, they've got the runs on the board. We have to push the boat out and we have to be we have to prepare ourselves to be knocked back. However, we also have to make him an offer he can't refuse. Yep. If we want this guy, and I was like, the film never really did that. Yeah. It was like, here's our budget, and he was like, Okay, so I can spend that budget, and they're like, We don't know if we want you to. And then there's no tension because we all know that. They get him. Well, but it's it's like Titanic, isn't it? This like, is it. Like, like there's no there's no surprise because you know what happens before they tell you. This, this, so, the only people in the film that know that don't know Michael Jordan signs for Nike are the people <laughs> in the film. <laughs> like, so I there's, don't know. there's absolutely no tension, and it's also it's also got these incredible, like, incredibly awful, lazy cinema tropes where. There needs to be some tension, and the film doesn't have an antagonist as such. Yep. So, um, Sonny Vaccaro, the, the Matt Damon character, goes to Phil Knight, and we're just having this the most tedious expositional dialogue. You know, I can't do that, Sonny. The board's breathing down my neck. And it's like, fucking yawn. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking yawn. But, but as you say, the- you hired me to do this. If I don't do this, what's my role in this company? Yeah. And it's like, but, but as you say, movies, good movies, operate to a formula and as they, you, you've, they've tried to build it to the formula. But as you say, there are pieces that are quite clearly missing because it, it, was, just, it was just a moment in time where they were bold, they sought to do something and to see if it could work. And not only did it work, it was spectacularly successful. And that's why, like the, the episode in The Last Dance where they kind of cover it, it's better. It's not because it's shorter or it's self more self-contained, but just the way they tell the story of how it happened, how it came to be, yeah. all that kind of stuff, and the you know Spike Lee talking about you know um, making the ads with him, yeah. you know Mars Blackman, all this stuff, and it's. I was watching it going. It's not that this is a bad story. It's just a doco. Well, that's right. You're building up to this grand conclusion, but you know what it is, so there's no surprise. Whereas when you just talk about it and go, oh, how did that come about? You know, we know that it was wildly successful. What were the steps that went in place, and what what were your alternatives along the way? That that that's to me is what's fascinating. And, and from a sliding doors perspective, how would it have looked? What's you know, the um? In, what was uh, Falk, in another brand? Falk. What's his age? Peter Falk. 
Uh, yeah, that was um, something. And he was in Princess Bride. His agent. Columbo is the guy that he was. No, fa- he's famous. the real guy, Peter Falk. Who, yeah. well, his agent was David Falk. What was I his agent's know. name? So the you sent me, 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 MJ. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> he was in Columbo. <laughs> That's Peter Falk. <laughs> no, so his agent, something Falk. Yeah. Okay. So Christmas Cena plays him, and he's just like it's the most ham-fisted Ari Gold. Yeah. Okay. It's like you're just playing Ari Gold. Yep. yep. But Ari Gold worked because Jeremy Piven's a brilliant actor. Yep. And it's like you're just playing him as Ari Gold. And it's just, oh, it's one of many problems. There's also lots of like really weird drone shots, like really like over the top. B, they've sent the second unit director out to get some B-roll and they're just drone shots of like, you're like, this is weird. And it, is it just trying to sex it up? I don't you know. know. Like just make it, you know, going. I don't know. There's not enough to this story, so make it. More Send bells a drone and whistles up. around Let's it. Yeah. We Will an aerial perspective improve yeah. this? Wow, look at those <laughs> shoes. I can't really see them. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, we've got some um, ratings and reviews, by the way. And just Can I add a new new segment? This is called Sean Peter Budge Watch. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> Sawyer crossing uh, Blackburn Road at the Donburn shops this morning oh, just it's... after I, I dropped Christian off. Oh, good. It's less creepy than <laughs> I thought. Yeah, correct. Whereabouts was I? You're crossing the lights from um, uh, the... Where the Devon Plaza is? No, no, no. You're on Blackburn Road. So you're crossing at the lights where all the students cross from, like where Wind Chimes Cafe is on the Donburn shops on Blackburn Road, crossing across to go to East Doncaster Secondary College. What? <laughs> Blackburn Road. Oh, up where the and Asian George supermarket Street. is. Is there an Asian supermarket up there? Oh, yeah, there is on it your used side. To be the there restaurant. Is, yeah. Yeah, 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 I get yeah. you. I get you. The old Taipan. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. you're They still get mail. Lights. If you, anyone from Taipan are listening, put in a redirection because <laughs> you're still getting mail to what is now number one Asian supermarket. There we go. There are two Asian supermarkets under that chain. Number one Asian supermarket, location one, yes. and location two, which is just down the street. Wow. I think technically the old Video Easy next to Blackburn Road McDonald's. Is part yes. of their tr- family. Is that one of them too? Of Isn't that like KFC or something like that? It's something strange. Yeah, it's, it is it's, weird. It's, KFL, I think it is. You know, it's the weirdest thing. Like, they don't get very much mail, but occasionally when I go in there, and I worked there at the, the video shop for five years. Yeah. So, or four years, five years. It's so weird when they get mail and you walk in and you're like, yeah, the counter was here. Yeah. And then over there was that. And the place looks, because it's got, Laid out like a supermarket now. You're like, it looks so tiny. Yeah, yeah. It looks so crowded and whatever. Where you're like, geez, when I when I worked here, it felt a lot bigger. Well, video stores were enormous. Yeah, like, like in the day, it's amazing for what they were, but they held a place in time. We spoke and about this booming, with Fab and he, when, he went, when he went on a Friday night, and it was part of the ritual. And your mate with nine pornos. <laughs> and your mate with nine pornos and one normal film on top. <laughs> you're like, yeah, I've got to get to the other nine. <laughs> Ratings and reviews time. Uh, we got some reviews this week, which is good. Excellent. The, I think uh, one of them was from Schultzy, who I may or may not have been quarrelling with on Twitter yesterday. So that was nice of him to leave a nice review. Was it before or It was after before our argument. Before the quarrel. So maybe he'll go back and revise that. <laughs> one star. Um, so <laughs> Schultzy said, look forward to this podcast every week, especially when Carlton have an average week and I need to hear people rip into them for my own enjoyment. Must admit, though, it'll be weird if we ever start playing well. Can't imagine what it's going to sound like. It's called a tight 45. <laughs> There's not a lot to talk about. Um, and then Cripper's cohort, Chance, appreciate all your efforts in bringing the podcast to life. Love the analysis, love the ribbing, love the tangents. Enjoy the segments and the enormous effort that Sean puts into producing the pod. That makes, that makes two of us in this room. <laughs> Cripper's, that's lovely of you to say. Feel like I've made three new mates and I look forward to the pod dropping weekly. I must listen. 
for all passionate Carlton supporters. Thank you very much to Cripper's cohort and Schultzy for that. We appreciate it very much. It is nice to hear. It is nice to hear some nice feedback. Um, if you'd want to leave a ratings and rating and review and get a shout out, just do that via generally it's iTunes really, but we'd appreciate that muchly. Um, Printer DJ last week was the Cribs moving pitches. Dark shadows has had a guess. The Cribs very impressed. Moving pitches equals the club's change in season expectations, i.e., not making finals. And he quoted the line, "They did not come true, although they will do in time. It's all right. It's all right. Yes, that's it." Wow, we like it a Got lot. Got it in one Dark Shadows. I don't know your real name. <laughs> Jim. <laughs> we'll call you Jim. Jim Shadows. <laughs> oh, here we go. Here we go. Timbo's making his little millionaire title card on the back. On the back of a sheet of paper. He's... <coughs> All right, you ready, Tim? Born ready. Referred to as the Black Sox scandal, the 1919 World Series is one of the most infamous in sports history. The Chicago White Sox, unhappy with the conduct of their owner Charles Comiskey and their pay, accepted a payoff from mob boss Arnold Rothstein to throw the series. Who was their opponent? Was it A? I almost forgot, I gotta give you the options. The New York Giants. The New York Giants? Was it B? The Pittsburgh Pirates. Was it C, the St. Louis Cardinals? Or was it D, the Cincinnati Reds? The Giants, the Pirates, the Cards, or the Reds? Defeated the 1919 Chicago White Sox to win the World Series, but did so because the White Sox threw it. One of my favorite movies- Is Eight Men Out? Of all time is, Field of Dreams? Field of Dreams. That, of course, features the eight men out. Yes. Led by Shoeless Joe. Yes. And I, I have watched it many, 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 many times. But I can't say I've watched it very very much lately. Well, the film that I mentioned, Eight Men Out, is more of a... They, they obviously feature in Field of Dreams, and the conceit is that they were banned for life. Yeah. So they want to play a game of baseball. Yeah. And they've been in purgatory waiting to play a game of baseball. Yeah. But Eight Men Out is actually more about the series and the scandal, and it's a good movie. And obviously, you know, we see uh, Kevin Costner almost preaching to his daughter and saying, you know, and his hero was Shoeless Joe Jackson and all that sort of stuff. He could never... Like, could never, never. He's, he had the quarrel with his dad because he said you could never respect a man who... who whose idol he, was a cheat. Whose idol was a criminal, I yeah. think is the word. Um, and he said, why do you say that? He goes, because I was... 18 or 16 or whatever. We're turning this Who Wants to Be a Million. We've done, it, <laughs> we've done it before. This is the reference to an 80s movie on the bingo card, by the way. Oh, there you go. Um, <laughs> what We've spoken about it before, but that is one of the, if maybe the only, there's been examples maybe, but you think the movie's about one thing yeah. until literally five minutes to go. Not yep. even. Yep. And then it completely, oh my God. Yep. I, I love the movie. I think it's it's the most it's the most brilliantly told story, and there are so many it's a little great tangents it's, along. It's a great movie, and it's going along, and most people be watching it, going, "This is enjoyable. It's a really fun kind of quirky, yep. like you know what's kind of reality. It's not, but it is. And the film, you believe in the the rules of this film and what's happening in front of you. And when Timothy Busfield sees the the field, he can't yep. see the field, and finally he sees it, and. Uh, you know, you're thinking, oh, this is really lovely. And then it becomes an amazing movie Yeah, yeah. in one moment. Correct. And you're going, oh, my as, God. As he takes the, oh my the, God. the face mask off. Yeah, it's beautiful. 
I get a bit emotional. <laughs> I, I get I, emotional. I genuinely get emotional about that movie. And um, well, it's the line. It's the line. Do you want, Dad? Do you want to play catch? <laughs> so oh, I can't we're actually getting a bit it. choked up. I can't even say it. We're getting so, a bit choked up. So well, I do. If you've never, if you've never watched this movie, Field of Dreams, and you have any interest in sport whatsoever, just do yourself a favour because it is, it is one of the absolute true gifts of life. So. We don't want to sidetrack us from this <laughs> millionaire segment, <laughs> making about Field of Dreams, but the brilliance of that Field of Dreams moment is that, and it's, this isn't exclusive. I'm not saying it is, but. Mothers and daughters enjoy can absolutely enjoy footy <laughs> and sports together. No problems. And fathers yeah, and fathers yep, and daughters. Yep, yep. I think that I think that a young girl who's grown up going with their dad or mum to the footy will have the exact same reaction watching that. Oh, no doubt. As a boy who's grown up with his father going to watch yep. the game, and that that moment is just. I remember. I think Jared Waitley somehow with, they were talking about something. Something to do with I don't even know what the what it was, and it came up, and he'd said something like. He'd never seen it. Oh, well, that, that's we, one of the films he goes, and for no reason, yeah. like not because of any reason in particular, he'd never seen it. And I remember saying, you need to watch it. I said, and oh, he's obviously a father, but he said, if you don't shed a tear, yeah, you're I'd, no, 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 I'd be shocked. Yeah, yeah. I'd be shocked because he's spoken in the past about going with his dad to watch the cats and all that. So well, if, it's, the, the movie's made for it. said, if you don't, that moment when it comes and it's a fucking sledgehammer. Yeah. And you just go, oh my God. Brilliant. Answer the fucking question. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm look, I, what I was going to say is when you when you hear Kevin Costner preaching to his daughter and he talks about, you know, you know Joe Jackson is, is hitting this and he didn't make mistakes in the field and he goes, you know, yes, he accepted the money, but did he ever actually tank plays and all that sort of stuff? How can you call him a criminal and all this sort of stuff? And he goes through the whole way through and I cannot for the life of me, I don't think he talks about an opposition. Mm. So I look at this and I go, if you're going to throw the New York Giants on the dial, to me, they must have moved to San Francisco. Because why are the New, why are the New York Giants even on the play? Now I reckon at the time I reckon at the time the team you're probably gonna have been competing with was probably Pittsburgh, but I'm gonna throw caution to the wind. Yep. I'm gonna lock in A can I have a 50-50? No, you just said you're gonna Because <laughs> I don't have Fab to talk to. Alright, I'll go without Without any uh, assistance, I'm locking in A, the New York Giants. You've locked in A, the New York Giants. The Pittsburgh Pirates are obviously a very good team at the time. The Cardinals weren't too bad, but they were probably a little bit later as well. Completely disregarded the Cincinnati Reds. Giants, Pirates, Cardinals or Reds, the correct answer is... Damn it! Damn it! <laughs> the Cincinnati Reds. Wow, there we go. So, that was good. That was a good chat about Field of Dreams. Um, so eight men were banned from baseball forever for it. And there's actually a couple of interesting notes. You know, we spoke about Field of Dreams. There's Eight Men Out, which is a great movie as well. Um, Ray Liotta was Shoeless Joe Jackson. D.B. Sweeney played him in Eight Men Out. Um, the series, for whatever reason, was played across a best of nine format. Okay. Just for, they probably thought people like seven. Do we do nine? It's more baseball. Um, more gate receipts. More gate receipts. Uh, so Chick Gandel was the first baseman of the White Sox. He was said to be kind of the orchestrator of it with Rothstein and his people. 
Um, and the key people involved were Eddie Seacott and Lefty Williams, who were pitchers. Yep. They started five matches and lost all five. Wow. Yeah, okay. Um, again, there was some allegation <laughs> that there was another pitcher who was, I think, injured. And if he had been, in, if he'd have been fit to play, the fix actually might have been harder to, to orchestrate. Yep. Um, because there was a rookie pitcher, I think, who won his two matches. Wow. So um, the majority of players involved were alleged to have received a minimum of $5,000 which is roughly $80,000 today. So it's like it's... It's not life-changing. Like it's good money. Yeah. But it's <laughs> when you don't get to play baseball ever again. Yeah. Uh, I and, think and, and you're remembered in infamy. Like it, you really... The modern equivalent, you probably got to... It's probably not even 800000 You're probably doing that for eight mil. And I think too... there's a, a lot of money. I think there's a level of naivety, a little bit like Carlton and the salary cap. Yeah. I think it was rife. And they oh, just... They yeah. finally got the chance to nail someone yep. and they needed to make a pretty strong example of them. Uh, the fallout from the scandal saw the National Baseball Commission dissolved and the uh, game's first commissioner installed, which is a model that's obviously remained until this day. And that's uh, from 1919. So he was appointed judge, uh, Kennesaw Mountain Landis, who I think was a Supreme Court judge. Yeah, okay. He was appointed the first commissioner of baseball, a role he held till his death. Um, to that point, the commission was made up of a representative of the American League, a representative of the National League, yep. and the Cincinnati Reds owner, Gary Herman. That seems like a strange appointment. As it expanded, I think people were sort of like, we probably need a more independent thing. That's obviously what they went for. Uh, Jackson's involvement is hotly debated until this day. You mentioned earlier his record and his performance in the series has become legend. Yep. As If somebody throwing the series, he played quite well. Um, one of the great little anecdotes of the story is when he left uh, the courthouse, having admitted to taking the money, a young child looked up at him and said, say it ain't so, Joe. Mm-hmm. That's one of the, the legendary sort of yep. anecdotes from it all. And then lastly, having won the 1917 World Series, the White Sox wouldn't feature in the Fall Classic from 1919 to 1959, yep. and they wouldn't win it until 2005. Wowee. So they were made to serve their penance. Well and truly. Well and truly as a franchise. There you go. That was good. I like that. Uh, yeah. Yep. Um, we're gonna, we, we, we'll when go you on. got into it, we, before you actually asked the question, I thought, I'll know this. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen Field of Dreams. Yes, I've got this I coming. know this. Um, do we want to talk about Saturday night? Well, look, we have to get there at some point. And, and look, there's a, I won't say there's a lot to unpack because well, there kind of is and there kind of isn't. I reckon it was a pretty simple... Um, example of where we're at, mm. what we've been doing, and probably what we need to do. Yep. Um, and there's a lot of noise around it all, which I, I know you'll probably more unpack than what I might focus on. But it was um, it was a fascinating night in that the way that the Bulldogs tried to play us and that absolute breakneck speed switch pace of ball movement and they actually tried to do to us um, from the full back line what Adelaide did to us from the midfield and and I called it at the time it was the Blitzkrieg by uh, Matthew Nix Um, and as far as I look at it it didn't work like it it worked but our defence stood up to really quick pace of ball and I was really proud of the way they worked and they defended. But then our 
when we create the very few opportunities we created to score goals so, and our ability about to take and utilize those opportunities were fucking horrendous. So I, I agree. I think that there was an element of what the Bulldogs were doing was very clear. Yep. And it was certainly more effective on the night than what we were trying to do. Absolutely. And and that's their one would. Having well, said that, it actually wasn't awfully effective in its own right. No. It was just that we were so impotent when we had the ball. Correct. Um, oh, look, I think we're through the looking glass a little bit here. Um, and the uncomfortable realities now is time for uncomfortable conversations. And I've got the note here that there are lots of alternative voices in the Carlton community. And if you want fairy tales and Shelby rights, you know where to find them. Yep. They'll give them to you. Um, there's plenty of them going around today and you, sometimes you can't help but shake your head a little bit, but... And, and I'll give I'll always give you a cup half full you will. view, but um, but by the same token, you just can't ignore um, everything that is um, you know at play. So well, here's another got Tim. We should be beating the Bulldogs. Oh, we should be beating St Kilda. We should be beating the, like I, that was the one thing I walked away and thought, gee, and, and I messaged a mate of mine who's a Bulldog supporter too, and 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 he despite winning, was very disappointed for where his footy side is at because he, he sees their errors, he sees their shortcomings, and, and they're an okay side. They're, they're the Blake Acres of, um, of, um, of the AFL football at, at the moment. You, you mentioned it. Once the frustrating thing for me walking away from the game is we let them off the hook for two and a bit quarters, not yeah. quite two and a half quarters, for or by playing a style and a brand of football, we'll use that phrase a lot, a brand of football, style of football, that is fundamentally wrong for our playing stocks and to win football in 2023. Yep. We let them off. I reckon they would have almost been sitting in the box, even after half time, the five or so minutes, just going, what are they doing? Yeah. They're making this easy. Easy. Yeah. They're making this easy for us. Yep. Like, what are they? They're not making us worry about any weapon they might have because they're playing a stagnant, ponderous, slow, wide brand of football. We spoke and, and, about and, it. And this is a side that has been butchered by Charlie Kerno and oh. Harry Mackay on several occasions. And they, exactly as you said, they, they would have sat in meetings during the week and they would have said, we know what's coming. It's fast movement to the big boys. That is what is going to un, undo us. That's always been the risk. They've always tried to play fast, um, but have lacked size. They now have a bit more size in their team, so they counteract that. But it's still gettable. But it's still gettable. But what we needed to bring, we didn't for two quarters. And once we changed things up, they couldn't go with us. No, that's right. We just gave ourselves too much to do. I mentioned on Twitter, we didn't lose the game in the last five minutes. We lost it in the first 80. Without doubt. So, again... You you can't be letting teams off the hook like this. Teams that you playing cautiously against a really good team, okay? Yep. Yep. Playing cautiously against a team you should have the measure of can beat with the weapons you have. Yep. Just um like we spoke just before the pod, Tim. Some of the dialogue from some of the people on Twitter we've been engaging with over the last couple of days. Back the boys. Have faith in the boys. No problem. Be glass half full. No problem. Don't. Don't feed anyone or listen to or take any stock in anyone who says we played the same footy in the first and second halves. It, it, it's patently it's incorrect. It's a nonsense. Yeah, it's, it's not even close. This idea that, Tim, what we were doing in the first half, it actually wasn't too bad. It just execution was letting us down. It just wasn't it wasn't working. In order. And then the second half, we, we just executed it better, is 
bullshit. It's horseshit. We we created precious few opportunities in the first half, but clearly there was four and, and five if you count Sam Walsh's running shot uh, that could have been given an advantage if he'd kicked the goal, um, but you, you kind of have that free shot after a step or two that if you miss, it'll come back to Cripper and he'll have his mm. set shot. Obviously, the way that the, the game played out, because our defence stood up under what uh, the Bulldogs were throwing at us, if we execute, we're right in the game without playing good footy. So practically for our season, as far as I'm concerned, and, and I haven't talked to you about this, if what we learned out of the game was we need to play faster and take the game on and be risky and give ourselves an opportunity with faster ball movement, even though we've lost the game, if that is recognised and that's the pivot that the football club takes and we do adopt a new brand, good. that is... It's the best loss we could have all season. It actually might be more valuable than four points in isolation. That's exactly right. It's exactly right. Because and, – and even if – like, we've just fallen out of the eight. We have a 50-50 record. It's not – by the numbers, it's not alarming because we're close enough to still impact the season if we do what we need to do. There's a few <coughs> – there's a few tough games coming up and there's a few tough games later in the season – but there are a lot of winnable games if we want to be the Carlton that we think that we can be. So you don't give up on the season entirely. I don't think we're a premiership winning side this year, but I think we have to work out what we want to be moving forward so that we can be playing that football next year. You know what made me shake my head? As soon as we started playing that faster line-to-goal footy with a little less structure, Jesus, we looked better. Ah. Oh. It's so look, it's enjoyable to watch. Look, this is what the group looked more engaged. Yep. The group looked more enthused. We made the Bulldogs more accountable for our weapons. Yep. We better used our weapons. Walsh fucking came alive. Didn't he? <laughs> and you know what else became a factor, Tim? Tell me. The crowd. The crowd. The crowd. Uh, it's absolutely 100%. The crowd. And, and, and I had, I've got mates that I'm in a, um, a draft super coach league and we, we all back for all different teams. So it's always sort of fun to have a go at you know certain supporters. And my mates at three-quarter time said, do the Blues get up from here? And I said, oh, it feels like it. And and I made the comment. I said, with the crowd behind them, they're every chance. And, and look, started well, got in front twice, yep. gave ourselves an opportunity. And then, as we know, in the last 10 minutes, when the game was up for grabs, you know, there was a couple of things that didn't quite go our way. But Artie Jones, clever small forward, Kicks a really nice goal. Great job, Artie. Not a fan of you personally, but at the end of the day, you kick your goal. You know, I'm like, going to pop the kid. <laughs> no, I'm not putting hit. I mean, it's the old sort of thing. You know, arrogance, the right amount of arrogance when it's for your team, fantastic. Mm. People feed off it. You love to see it. When the opposition does it, oh, I can't have it. But you know what I That's think not you, my job to have you it. You know so. whose arrogance I reckon's just wearing a little bit thin? Tom Papley's. <laughs> no, 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 not quite. He's just a I little, do love Tom. He's just a little antagonist. <laughs> yes. A little fire ant. Um, Mason Cox. Oh, I was there yesterday. Oh, I, reckon, <laughs> I reckon it's... Oh. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, no, he's just, he's just doing that thing. Remember Harry O did it where he got a little bit of... I don't know, a little bit of celebrity and then he had a Twitter account and he just started maybe, I don't know, 
he, he, some of the stuff he was doing yesterday, standing over blokes and it, eyeballing it, blokes. And you he, sort of did, think, he did throw a forearm at Nick Haynes' head, though, yeah, didn't he? And you're sort of thinking, you, you've legitimately played two good games of footy in four years, mate. Yeah, yeah. It was very good yesterday. No, it's you've legitimately played yeah. two good games of footy yeah. in your career. Yeah. So you've had a good day today and you're playing well and you're confident about that and you've got a bit of strut about you. Going, you're playing good footy today. Yeah. Going, but otherwise, you're usually pretty ordinary. Yeah. Going, I don't know if I'd be doing the standing over blokes and eyeballing them when you've outmarked. I think I'd probably be leaving that. And as you say, if there, if he wasn't so demonstrative about it, the fact like when when you when you significantly outpoint an opponent, you don't need to rub it in their face. Just go back and take your kick. Well, in the end, I think that one with Haynes, I think he actually missed. Ah, uh, he did. And you're yeah. like, yeah, if you want to have some afters and yep. get yourself up yep. and incite the crowd, and your teammates, yep. kick the goal. Yeah. There's every chance he was worried about what was going to happen at the tribunal after he'd thrown no, a maybe. forearm at his head. Now, it, it's probably not enough con- – there wouldn't no, be enough no, no, contact. No. He should get fined for it without a doubt because you can't do that. No. And, 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 and this is – we're back on the big, big sound. Oh, when- don't make me do it. <laughs> don't make me do it, Tim. Did you see Nathan Murphy – Did you see Nathan <laughs> – did you see Nathan Murphy dack Aaron Cadman? Yes, over th- Tim. You're big on this for some reason. Yeah, but you know that the umpire paid the free after Cadman pushed Nathan Murphy to the ground. Well, the umpire probably didn't see Cadman's bare ass. Well, no, he clearly didn't. But you look at that and you go, that makes the <laughs> umpire World. look Wayne's fucking World stupid. Wayne's, this is another 90s movie reference, Wayne's World 2. Did you think it was a trifle unnecessary to see the crack in Cadman's <laughs> bottom? <laughs> So I just found it all together. And and the lesson learned is don't get sucked in by the shithousery that uh, you know any opposition gives to you. I agree. Um, but, um, but, geez, the umpires need to be given the same memo. Because so, ultimately I don't even know what the free kick was for. Holding the ball maybe? No, no, no. It was over the boundary line. Oh. It was The free kick was for pushing him back oh, to the ground yeah, afterwards. But you're going, what's the actual free kick? Just making something up. Yeah. So just on that closing moment, I think – in terms of our method, our style, finding ourselves. You know, so our second goal, we go corridor. Akers dishes off to the running Saad, who dishes off to the running Cottrell. Cottrell drives his legs, yep. hits Durden, who's leading back towards goal. Yep. Inside 50, he's about 35, 40 out. Durds goes back and kicks the goal. And you go, that's us. Yep. That's our method. Yep. It's a little bit slapdash. It's a little bit seat of your pants. It's a little bit improvisational. Let's let's make this up as we go. Fab's pies are good at Fab's it. Fab's pies are good at it. It's a bit dangerous. It reminded me, I turned to Dad and I, when we were walking home and we were talking about things and I said, you wouldn't have seen this one. but So in 2015, it would have had to have been, uh, Saturday Night Live did their 40th anniversary special at a big star-studded event and uh, it was a you know, greatest hits show and Eddie Murphy came back for the first time in God knows how long and the who's who of entertainment and past uh, celebrities and guests and whatever. And Louis C.K. came out and he introduced um, like a package of the digital shorts, which they make. And it was very funny because he he introduced it and the way he said, he goes, you know, these things are pre-produced and they're done off site and they're very slick and they're very well made and the audience loves them. He goes, You've basically been making the show the wrong way for 40 years. Correct. People really like these slick pre-produced sketches. He yep. goes, the sketches you do on the show live, he goes, he goes, they're okay. He goes, they're a little bit long, he goes, you know, but they are what they are. 
these digital shorts are what people actually this like. This is where it's at. <laughs> he goes, so you've been making the show the wrong way for 40 years. Yep. And that went back to, you might have seen the classic Mr. White, Eddie Murphy sketch, White Like Me, which is an all-time great where he had the white makeup and went out in the street. And it extends all the way through the Lonely Island guys did them and whatever. And it's like, yeah, they're the best part of the show. Yeah. This live sketch comedy show, the best parts are the pre-records. Yep. Yeah. And I sat there thinking, this is what it's like. We're trying to play this methodical, boring, slow build-up, ponderous yep. out on the wings, and the second we put some speed on the game and go line to goal, you're thinking, this is better. But it, but I think, as you say, AFL as a game, like anything can happen. It's a 360-degree game. You know, There's it, no stoppage it, it, it's on turnover. Constant. Yeah, it just is go, go, go. So anybody trying to coach it that thinks that they can control it to the nth degree, like not not saying you've got rocks in your head, but you've got to be prepared for anything. And, and Do you reckon that's a consequence of there's been a real proliferation of and love for NFL football? Yeah. Yep. In the last – quite recently. Yeah. Really. And, and, and even even from a soccer perspective, you know – there's there's method to the way that you set up and you defend and you and you can you're really, structured and you, and then there's a time to go and all well, that sort of stuff. In so. NFL, you can you can literally stop the game. Yep. In NBA basketball, you can stop the game. Yep. In soccer, you can really slow the game down to a walk. Yeah, but you, you can't stop to. it. Yep. Well, in AFL, you can't do that. Yep. It stops after a goal or if the ball goes out of play and then it comes straight back in. Yep. Which again goes to the whole if we're ever in serious danger hoof it up to the third level yes. of the grandstand because that's your only chance to be able to affect a bit of think music and mm. reset and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, again, there is absolutely space for that in the game if you ever need it. And, I, and no one's ever done it. I agree, and I want to talk about the turning point. I have a headline here, a heading. Yes. The turning point. I'm not talking about Saturday night. I want to talk about, and again, this is a conversation – we have to have, because it's becoming more and more apparent that we've got a coach who is leading a coaching group Yes. who, until at least maybe the 10-minute mark of the third quarter on Saturday night, hopefully they've had a wake-up call, fundamentally misunderstands what we're good at. And I've got the question, at what point did this rot set in? At what point do you think it happened where they started to, oh, we've got to change this? They went Because we started last year and we were contested and we were – fastball movement and we were high scoring and then there, there was a moment where we went got cold feet and went oh no I don't know no we're not going to do that anymore was it when Jacob Wiedering did his AC join against Jordan Ngoi that is exactly the moment fuck me <laughs> so well and that was just it was the fear that we couldn't defend um so I put where it we're to at. you that this didn't start and the seeds weren't sown in round 23. Yep. It was against Collingwood in round 11. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing that we're actually on the same page because we I wasn't were, quite sure where you were going. <laughs> we were 8-2. and two. Yep. I think they were 5-5. Five and five. Yep. But but not impressive. Nope. We were the really confident boxer with some swagger. Yep. We were dancing around the ring and as soon as they tagged us, we've fallen apart. Yep. They've gone from strength to strength. Psychologically, we've never recovered. Well, and ironically, when Jack Silvani threw that snap onto his boot, mm. I thought it was going through. I know a lot of Collingwood we're supporters. We're a foot away the, from getting out of dodge. Well, it, and and who knows what it would have, what the result would have been. So we go four and eight in the back part of the year. Yep. We'd kicked a hundred points six times in the first ten weeks. Yep. We did it once in the last twelve. Wow. That loss spooked us, and we've not recovered. 
and more, this ineffective slow footy that we're all fucking witnessing, we first saw it really properly against Melbourne in round 22. Yep. We kicked three goals to halftime. Yep. And then came alive sort of late-ish when we needed to. Against Collingwood in round 23, everyone remembers the third term. Yep. We kicked eight. We were goalless at quarter time. Yep. We had two to half time, eight in the third, goalless in the last. Wowee. So this idea that they were spooked and they've twisted the model and it's losing. It's losing games of football. And it's been losing games of football since round 11 last year. Yep. So this idea people say, again, more time, we're partway through the season. It's last season as well. Oh, look, it, 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 no, like a lot of people have talked about, you know, the, the change at the buy and the record since the buy and, and, and it just makes you scratch your head just sort of say, well, as you said, what, what has changed, you know, and, and, and is it attitudinal? Is it structural? Because as you say... It's philosophical like, too. Well, it, no doubt. But, but we, were, we were playing, we were really taking the game on um, early and, and as you say, I think we've been spooked and... Just go back to it because for where we're at now, you know, and and you know Andrew Gay's you know football fucking doyen that he is, you know he laughed last night on 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 bounce saying you know it took Carlton twenty two rounds to fall out of the or twenty three rounds to fall out of the eight. Well, it's happened already, and you're going if yeah, funny Andrew, you're back fucking Hawthorne, um, who have been good for the last ten years, mind you, or fifteen well, years, but right like now looking like they'll be great for a while. Ain't no fucking good. So, um, but anyway, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, 17 teams can laugh at us as much as they want and have been for a long time. But um, it just feels, Tim, incongruous that you go from eight and two and not playing perfect footy nope. to four and eight in the back half and then four, one and four now, having been spooked after Collingwood. Yep. And you're going, geez, mate, we might have seen the recipe earlier that you've thrown it in the bin and you've decided to go the other way and the other way is not really working. Well, and I think, as you said, it was the pressure of expectation. Um, <coughs> we played like we had nothing to lose at the start of last year. Um, and, and I still remember, and very little has been made of it, like we know how well Melbourne started this season last year and everybody just thought it was their premiership. 10 or 11? 10 of 11. Or 10, was it 10 out? No, was it, 10, it was 10 or 11 in a row. Well, they think they, yeah, I think they won their first 10. You know, yeah. We played them in a practice match at Marvel mm. and uh, Harry Mackay played a half yep. and we ended up with a half forward line of Plowman, Tommy Williamson and somebody else who... They kept their stars on. They kept their stars... And they did come back at us, but we got like eight goals in front of them. They kept their stars on because they wanted they wanted to run the score back a little bit. Yeah, you, and you talk... Well, I talk about the Blitzkrieg. That's the football that we were playing. Yep. It was all out attack and it was... Back ourselves in and go, go, go. Got a question for you, Tim. Not only did that method, I think, better suit this group, sure as shit, more fun to watch. Oh, mate, I, that was my lament leaving the ground was... We played the best footy on the night, on Saturday night. Oh, without a doubt. We played the best footy on the night, yep. but we gave ourselves too much to do. Yep. We also played the worst footy on the night. <laughs> um, and you, you walk away thinking, oh, surely I'm not alone thinking, mate, I'd fucking rather lose playing the footy we did in the third quarter and for part of the fourth 100%. quarter, I'd rather lose playing that way than playing the way we did in the first half, the way we did against Adelaide, St Kilda. Yeah, yeah. Because that's not going to win us games, but playing this way might. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we're going to talk about, Voss. That's what gets you credits in the bank 
That's what gives you a stay of execution. That's what keeps the wolves at bay because at the moment, geez, it's not looking good, mate, no. unless something changes. And the only, no one's in a better position to change things than him. Well, as you say, that's why that's why you get the money. That's 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 why you asked to take the job in the first instance. This is what you want to be a part of, and now you need to make a bold statement and mm. let them know this is the way that we're playing footy. Uh, whilst watching that horrible movie Air, um, <laughs> I twigged to the nine Nike principles, which come up. They're on LinkedIn every so often, and you see them on Twitter every so often. You know, Phil Knight's sort of nine commandments, if you will, for starting and running Nike. And number two was they would come up periodically throughout the film. And number two was we're on offense all the time. Yep. Well, that's a mindset. It's aggressive. It's focused. And even when we're under the pump, we defend aggressively. Yep. But we're aggressive. As a footy club, we're on defense all the time. Yep. Yep. And that's not just on the field. That's off the field. Yep. We're on defense all the time. We need to watch uh, the ESPN 30, 30 for 30, the guru of go. Which, which ends which ends with a really bad story about mm-hmm. Hank Gathers, mm-hmm. who, mm-hmm. not good at all, who had a congenital heart defect. But the style of football that he played, um, Paul, his surname's like Hogshead. It's not that because uh, Nan- it's like wings, <laughs> me, but different. And Nancy Hogshead mm-hmm. won a she dead heated for a uh, a gold medal in the women's hundred freestyle that's at the eighty four Olympics. That's ticking off the swimming. There, <laughs> there was, we go. We did too. There was a swimming <laughs> reference on the card. Uh, and now I can't get this. And this, that bike actually coached the Lakers as as well. Oh, Paul Westhead. Point. Westhead. That's it. I, I said it was like Hogshead. When you said Hogshead, I was like, he's not talking about Westhead because why would you go Hogshead? Yeah. Well, again, swimming. Um, yeah, Paul Westhead. Yeah. And and it was just, it was just they will run or not. Well, that, he was that's the way that they played. Uh, he was obviously oust eventually by the Lakers because Magic Johnson was like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Well, it was because we're winning because we've got James Worthy and Michael Cooper and Magic Johnson yeah. and Kareem. Going, this guy's this guy doesn't know what's going on. Well, the bottom line, he he was the Matthew Knight mm. of uh, AFL football who just said, "Well, we're just going to score," and and it was the old sort of thing. You know, we'll we'll score twenty five goals and just hope that the opposition doesn't score twenty six. They can whereas, score twenty four. Whereas we'll Ross Lyon them- is the king of. We will score eight. We just have to keep the others to seven or less. Well, at the moment, Michael Voss is the king of, you're going to score eight? We're going to score five. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that that was, for me, interesting. I just thought, watching this silly movie and then thinking about it yesterday, I thought, we're just intrinsically, philosophically, we are contradiction to that. We are on defense all the time. Yep. On the field, we're defensively yep. minded. Yep. Our instinct is just, n- just n- non-existent. When it comes to being in the press, when it comes to presenting the club, it's always tempering expectations because we're on defense all the time. Yeah, we are. And it's that's the mindset that I think breeds insecurity and it breeds, you know, just lack of mentality. Um, we're going to go now on to a segment which is. Um, oh, no. <laughs> oh. Shit. It's Pitbull. Oh, it's Mr. 305. This is the one where he talks about a squirrel and a nut. Don't you just love the Latin vibes? There it is. Oh, very good. Oh, I didn't see that coming, Tim. I didn't expect that to come true. <laughs> 
Why did we play that, Tim? Because we're no good. Tim, <laughs> why did we play Pitbull? Because we're shit again. We're shit again. <laughs> That's a mid-2010s banger. Um, we're going to talk now. I'm going to put my marker in. Putting the markers in has really made the whole situation so much easier. Elise loves it. No, she's, but, she's not a big listener. But, no, because, uh, but like you can – I used to be able to do it, but you'd have to scrub through yeah, yeah. and just find the points where we're talking about something different. But if I just drop a marker, I literally just go to it, oh, what are we talking about here? Yeah. Perfect. And then to the next one, it's – oh, it's, it's a lifesaver. There we go. We're going to talk about the coach. Yes. So another tough conversation needs to be had. And unfortunately, the topic is the coach. <sighs> I put the poll up. You might have seen it this morning. Um, the last four senior coaches Carlton have sacked are David Teague, Brendan Bolton, Mick Malthouse, and Brett Ratton. Who was the most recent coach to get the flick who should have been given more time? Brett Ratton. And you could argue, as some people have, that we were right to sack him. But the point I was trying to make with the poll was, for anyone out there, you can't sack the coach. What is sacking the coach? You can't just keep sacking the coach. What does this achieve? Well, Carlton fans... 85% of 400 responders believe that it was rats. Yeah. So Carlton fans are telling us that we were content with the last three getting sacked. Absolutely. So this idea that you can't just keep doing that, well, well we you, were happy with the last three. We, we, you, we understood the last three getting the flick. Well, you have to – the position is too important to um, pay lip service to it. You've got to know you've got the right guy and – and you have to interrogate that. Absolutely. And look, and. Tim, sorry, Tim. We, we just spoke about it. We just spoke about we were eight and two. No yep. one's questioning the coach at eight and two. No, no, absolutely not. Quite understandably. We're all sitting there thinking, this is going okay. Yep. No one's questioning the coach at eight and two. The reason people, us, someone else, anyone else is questioning the coach is because we went four and eight, missed. Oh, but you're in the eight for 23 weeks and out when it mattered. Yeah. So that's not a tick. And then we start this year, we've been. Really ordinary. We've gone. We're 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 worse. Yep. And we're four one and four, and we've got a massive month ahead of us. You have to interrogate. Well, why is this happening? What's the performance of our coaching group like? Yeah. And at the moment, it's not good. No, it's not good. And but there's. Just there, give him time, Tim. Yeah. Well, and look, you're really on a knife edge, aren't you? Because the argument with rats, and 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 Ratten knows football. He, he's had. He had a period at St Kilda where he was good and he had some success. It wasn't bad, but ultimately the St Kilda board... They have, made the decision we did. The, well, they've made the decision that they wanted for more, so they've moved forward for more. Now, we made the decision to get Mick Malthouse thinking that he was the answer. But I and, think and, St, and St Kilda was, have just made the same decision. That's exactly the same decision. And, and it's patently wrong. Whether it works or not. Yep. No, okay. it's, it was patently wrong for us when we got Mick in because Mick was at a different stage of his career... Football was changing. His philosophy didn't move with it. And I even think if you listen to Mick in the in the media now, I don't think he has a handle on the modern game whatsoever. So it absolutely proves. And, and we weren't to know because where he left off at Collingwood great. was great. And and the unfortunate thing is along the way, he alienated a few people. Yeah. We lost some really good Carlton people along the way. So it was just a really bad chapter. With Ratton, you could have persisted. You could have allowed him to grow more on the job. He was very unlucky that we missed the eight and that Gold Coast game was a, a, a horror. At um, worst, at worst with Rats, the club, the attitude of the club was 
we're more ambitious. Yes. And you go, at worst, and it doesn't work out, and you go, well, they've had a throw at the stumps. Yep. You know, it hasn't yep. worked out. Going, But at worst, it was a, a hunger and an ambition to be better than we were. Yep. Can this guy get us there? Geez, I don't think so. I'm not sure. Mm, well, we've got a guy who his last two seasons ended in a premiership and a trip to the grand final. Geez, he's gettable. He's out there, blah, blah. Doesn't work out. That's fine. I think if we go back in time, there's a lot of people who went, I get it. Yep. I get it. Doesn't work out yet. So I just don't know how fans can watch how we're playing and how we've been playing, not just in the first nine rounds, but since the bye last year, since the Collingwood game last year, and not think this isn't a massive watch. It, it is a massive watch, absolutely. But there's a lot who are out there. Tactically, <coughs> in terms of our mentality and our confidence, we are being prepared poorly. And and the other thing that you've got to say for Voss is, Voss is the head man, no doubt. He, ha- he has a coaching staff around him and they have their own opinions on football as well. They're not always absolutely intrinsically aligned with the head coach, but you're always going to support the message and the view and all that sort of stuff. But there has to be enough, there has to be enough pressure from below to be able to say, have you considered this? Have you considered this? Have you considered this? And if after considering it, Vossi says, no, we're still doing it my way and it doesn't work, well, then that's where you know the change has to come. Have I told the... But, uh, but Vossi has to be um, malleable enough yeah. at the moment when things aren't playing out that we have to do something different. To take counsel. Absolutely. And to listen to feedback. And there needs to be there need to be voices on the panel who are team players, absolutely. Yep. They don't go into business for themselves, but there need to be people on the panel who... You know, one of the greatest traits is, you're going to find this ironic that I'm saying this, but one of the greatest traits in a situation like a coaching caucus would be to be the guy who's prepared to put his jats on the line, but he's also prepared to be ignored. Yep. I'm prepared to sit in this meeting of four, five, six coaches and say, what about we try old mate such and such in this role and fight for it Yep. and be real, like, I believe in it, I think this is what we should do. But if it gets voted down or they don't do it, you go, not a problem. And more importantly, the next yep. time there's a you're not as spiteful a, about it. Yeah, or, th- there's a democratic yep, you know, process that you can still put up and say, what about we have we think about this? Let, let's all wear left boots for the day. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if I've used this one on pod. I think I have, but I keep using the word fundamentally, and I just keep getting drawn back to. We need someone, and do we have someone like Mark Hamill? when they were making The Last Jedi, yep. who read the script and he said to the director, I fundamentally disagree yep. with your perception of this and, and, the I, direction don't, you take and I don't think it's going to work. Yep. He's the character, Luke Skywalker, and he told them, he told the director, he told the president of Lucasfilm, he told everyone, he said, you got it wrong because people aren't going to like this. And, and, and what does work? Because as you say, like they, I'm not the Star Wars fan that you are and, and obviously I know the... I know the basics of mm. it all. And at the end of the day, any Star Wars product was always going to make money. Yep. Like there was no doubt about it, but what you could have done with it oh. and where you could have taken it and the oh. success that you could have had with it and everybody would have just stood there and gone. This is what we want. Ma- magnificent. We've spoken about magnificent. it. When the, the, the Return of the Jedi era, Luke turned up in Mandalorian and, and he's yep. cutting a swathe through. And you're thinking – that's your movies. This is your movie. Why yeah. are you giving this away on Disney Plus? Yeah. People would have paid twenty dollars to see this at the cinema. Yeah. 
going, you, this would have made, this scene alone would have made a film like The Last Jedi. I think, I think um, Force Awakens did 2.2 billion worldwide, which is obviously outstanding. It's one of only like, six films to do that, seven films to reach 2 billion. Uh, the two avatars have done it, Titanic's done it. The last two Avengers did it. Yep. Force Awakens did it. Um, and I think I think The Last Jedi did 1.6, which again is, that's good, but it's Bit. also $600 million less. Yep. And then the last one cracked a billion. Yeah. So you, the diminishing returns are that decision, and Mark Hamill was sitting there in the meeting room telling them, look, I think you got it wrong. People aren't going to like this. This is not what people want to see. It probably cost them billions of dollars. It did. It, it and really he was did. telling them. Well, as you say, if, so you'd, the point if is, you'd have gone 2.2, 2.83, and what you've done, and, and as you say, it's not that significant and, and of a more, tweak. But, but more than that, getting sidetracked on Star Wars, no. but, <laughs> but more than that, Mark Hamill told them, I fundamentally disagree with what you're doing. They're not. People aren't going to like it. It's, it's, this is the wrong rein to pull. They don't. They go ahead with it. They make him what he was. People didn't like it. It ostracizes the fan base. Yep. It's actually killed Star Wars on the big screen. Well, it has. Because so, you think about it. So they buy it in 2012. They put a film out in 15. They put a film out in 16. They put a film out in 17, which people go, oh, geez, I don't know. They get cold feet. They lose their traction. They put out Solo, which lost a huge amount of money. It wasn't a bad film, but yep. it, it's a watchable movie, but it lost money. Then they do The uh, Rise of Skywalker, which finishes it. That's 2019. There hasn't been a Star Wars movie yep. since 2019, pandemic aside, and there won't be one until 25 minimum. Yep. So not only did you lose box office receipts on the film that it affected, the next film and the next film, it actually made the whole thing toxic. Yeah. So the point I'm making is there has to be someone in the room that's prepared to that's be the pre- voice. That's of prepared dissent. to be the guy that goes, I think you got this wrong. Yep. I think this is the wrong way to do it. I think I think we're doing the wrong thing here. We need to Consider something else, but Saturday Night had to had to illustrate that hundred percent. It has to illustrate it, and 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 it and it shouldn't be just one person in the room that's saying. Is it Brad Lloyd? I was having an argument. There's this Collingwood Nuffy. I don't even. He tweets us every so often. He's got to put his nose in, and he's talking about. I said something about Brad Lloyd, and he was saying that's not Lloyd's job. I said, well, who are the coaches accountable to? Yeah. No, that's not Lloyd. I said Lloyd's the general manager of football. Yep. He's the GM of the footy department. He's their boss. Now, I know what your response to this comment is going to be. Um, because, and I, I do. might surprise uh, you. Uh, no, no, you won't. I, I promise you, you won't. It might be Greg Williams because Greg Williams knows football better than I think what Brad Lloyd does. What do you think I'm going to say to that? Uh, he does have a brain injury. I'm going to say <laughs> you talked about Mick. Yeah. Respectfully to Greg Williams, what does Greg Williams know about modern footy? Well, and the short answer to that is I don't know. Yeah, like, no, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I don't know. And How, what's his t- what's his contact with the footy department like? I would, you know, what I would like to think Greg Williams is doing. I would like to think he's as miffed as the rest of us. I would like to think he's played enough footy and played enough brilliant footy. But it was his call. But no, but in terms of our style of play, yep. and played in enough good teams to go. Well, Vossi, the way you're playing, the way you got us playing is not working, mate. Yep. And just be like really that nonchalant about it. I don't think it's working, mate. Maybe you should think about trying something else. Well, and, and what's fascinating, and, and we've told this story before, we were at... Um, uh, Better not be talking about the Legends lunch. It's one of the lunches. Oh. But it was uh, at that point um, when we were eight and two, 
they were jumping up and down and, and Diesel was taking full credit for it and saying, look, look what I've been able to do. And, <laughs> That's and, and, like and, and this is when we were on the table with Mark Murphy and I, and, and I turned to Fab and I said, could have been 10-0 with Kingsley. And, and it was only a throwaway line and it was and it was a little bit of a joke. There was a little bit of seriousness in it. Don't do it. You don't need to do it. <laughs> but it is... It, it is food for thought, and and look, the, the horse has bolted on that. Mate, we we, we know that in the same way, yeah. You know, whether it was you or a Ross Lyon man or yep. whatever else, look, I mean, we spoke about the whole thing. We've said the, the phrase, you know, success has many fathers, failures, and orphan. Yep. When you're yep. going really well, everyone's up and about. I did this. I'm responsible for yep. this. That was my yep. idea. And when things <laughs> aren't going so well, well, a little bit of silence coming from those yep. same people. And Greg, I would hope, and I would hope that Brad Lloyd, I would hope that today being Monday. There's a conversation at the football club that what did we learn out of the weekend? More moments that look like us is what Voss had said. Yep. Going, yeah, playing a, a different Play, style, playing a style of, football, of football that you're not adv- haven't been advocating, which for. is more complimentary. Yes. It's like hopefully that's the takeaway. Yep. yep. Um, I fear that with Collingwood on the horizon, we might. Well, you might be too def- defensive uh, again. Which uh, one question that I'd I'd you know write down all sorts. I of I ask the questions. Tim. No, I know, but can I can I ask one? Sure. Uh, our substitute on the weekend was Ed Kerner. <laughs> uh, we're coming up against a Collingwood uh, whose best-performed player at the moment is Nick Dacos, and there is a do you tag him, do you not tag him, how do you tag him? Um, you know I think it's an interesting and, matchup and, for and him? Ed played on him in our practice match at Princess Park. Do you give him the gig? I give the gift to kick to Owies. Has he got that sort of endurance? I think he's... Matt always isn't a lot of things. Correct. But he's a really reliable shot for goal. He is. And he finds space. Yes. Nick Dacos is a tremendous player. He's a beautifully skillful player. He's playing really good football. He's not a defender's asshole. No, he's not. And if you want to play, I don't. a lot of teams want to – Ben Keyes did a good job as that defensive forward, make him accountable. Yep. Good run. It's not as easy as engineering that sometimes because they've got levers to cover for that. You've got to try to make him accountable yep. and make him defend because he doesn't want to defend. Well, and and I think as you say, that's that's fairness. Who does? No, no, this is it. The the lever is either have a player that is going to damage him the other way and get the upper hand, Cottrell. and and force him to do something else. Maybe Cottrell. Although, what well, this is another question I wrote down. Hollands was replaced, and on the AFL app they said he was injured. I've not seen or heard what his injury was. Well, you won't. Well, and I was going to say out of our strength and conditioning team, they, you know, he's probably got a calf. You won't hear that at all. Yeah, got- but but what I'm fascinated by is if Hollands is a wingman and wasn't right, does he play? If Cottrell's going to play on Dacos, Cottrell is a wingman, so suddenly he's not on the wing. You advocating for a return for my man? Well, Blake Akers played one of... His worst games of football he's probably ever played. He plays on the wing. And I would have thought, structure aside, if there was ever a time for a guy to take a break, it might be it. Yeah, well, look, Hollands? Look, no, Blake would, would would might find himself in the twos. He probably won't no, because... No, no, he'll get a stay. Yeah. Um, but all I'm saying I is there's this the, sudden he's the exodus up. from wing. No, he's, he's the match-up for Sidebottom. Well, it, it's doing what Matt Cottrell couldn't do in the equivalent game you last year. You would expect and, and want... For a little bit more aptitude and focus and 
And I think that Acres can do that. And so if Cottrell fa- failed on steel sod bottom last year, can you advocate for him going on to Nick Dacos? I think it's a different matchup. It is. Um, I think that Cottrell – Cottrell was just found out because – what's his name? Um, Sidebottom's obviously a very, very clever uh, player. Yep. You would expect Acres to, like I said, be a bit more diligent. If, if Cottrell runs through the middle of the ground and – Follows and all that sort of stuff. Like he's not going to leave. He left himself exposed under the high ball uh, when Collingwood went forward. Nick Dacos won't do that to no, you. No. Steel, steel side bottom can, but if it's about work rate and effort and focus and all that sort of stuff, yeah, Cot- Cottrell can go to Dacos. Well, but I did think we, we experimented with Ed preseason, and we would have got to underst- move past him. We would have understood. I, I agree with that too. But we would have understood what worked then, and they'll either say. <coughs> Adapt what they learnt to somebody else who can do the job or give him one last crack at it. We're going to move now to just back with Voss, I suppose. Um, is it an overreaction on my part to think he has a month to save himself? So we've got Collingwood, Sydney, Melbourne and Essendon. And for me, there's actually a really interesting, like almost macabre sense of poetry because if he win, wins one, then he's probably okay. Last year, all we had to do was win one of the last four. Yeah. And it's the same. I, I think it's almost the same situation. Well, you follow that up with Suns-Hawks. So Where's the Suns? I think it's here. I think it's at the MCG. Fucking hell. It feels like we never play them here. Yeah. Um, Only with Bongo Cam. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Give them um, a round of applause. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> Boo. But um, but yeah, that this next four is like, and what's what's fascinating is at the start of the season, a trip to Sydney was. It seems a little less dangerous now. Well, they they've got more injuries than we've got. Timbo Swans, Timbo's Bloods. Um, no, no, I agree. I think it's it's looking like a less daunting assignment than it did. 12 weeks ago. Well, that's right. Having said that, they're just as likely to fucking... What's the odds that we go up there and they put on a, oh, the classic, the bloods culture just got it done and oh, this, this makes me sick. Well, they it, there's every chance. They might have one McCartan back. They won't have the other. Mills isn't playing. Buddy's just going. You know, you just... Th- there really is only a handful you need to stop. I think with that chat about the next four, I think the next four will... Oh... I, I don't think it ends him. I don't think it ends him at four. Yeah. But I think it asks a lot of questions. Well, I think it, internally the decisions get made and says who who's the next best. So if we – because I think realistically there is, a, there is a world where we lose all four. There is. There's a reality. Absolutely. Where we lose all four. I don't think there's a reality where we win all four. No, probably not. But there's a reality where we lose all four. There's a reality where we go two and two. Yep. Which is – yeah. Yep. Because if we lose all four, that's six in a row. Yeah, okay. And you sort of gone that six in a row for a team that was fated to where well, you should be playing finals. Yep. Um you missed out last year, you went four and eight. Now you're we'd be four, one and six. Yep. You'd be going, that's it's not that's not looking good. Be four, one and eight. Sorry, four, one and eight, sorry. Yep. You're going, gee, that's that's not looking good. That's when conversations start and that's when difficult conversations happen behind was it behind the mirrors, the smoke and shadows behind the mirrors. <laughs> um but that's when those conversations happen, and people are naive if they're not if they're if they're not awake up to the reality is the next four months for Michael four months the next four weeks for Michael Voss are enormous. They are. Did he sign a three or a four year contract? Three. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's probably the only benefit. 
we threw big dollars at Ashley Hansen to get him aboard, and this time last year he was the shiniest toy going around in coaches' circles. I think that's taken a huge hit because you, if if you said if you said right now Fossey's not the guy, where are you getting your next next coach from? And I don't know the answer to that. Well, this question. is we've spoken. We're not saying we're sacking him immediately, but this no, is no, no, this no, is the if, issue. If, with, if he's not the guy, well, this is the issue with these conversations. In what's the point in replacing him from within? That, well, this is it. That's what yeah. we all like, and that was our biggest mistake with David Teague. Yeah, and um, and I've always told the story, and I'd, I'd love to get in front of him now. But um, when we were when we were making the decision to put Teague in as the permanent coach. I said to Mark LeDuduche, do me a favour, mm. talk to Adam. I said, you don't have to employ him, just talk to the man because I think he's good. Just have the conversation. Do whatever you want after it, but just make sure you talk to him. They never did. Yeah. And, and yeah, be, no, because, but, but taking someone from within a system that's not working mm. doesn't seem a really smart decision. But this is the whole Voss situation in that Voss got hired – because his name is Michael Voss. Correct. The name on top of his resume is Michael Voss. Once they decided they thought that he could coach, he he had the job. And football people look at that and go, Brownlow, medalist, three-time premiership captain, hard as a cat's head, brilliant player. Oh, well, he... Geez, he has coached before. It didn't go too well. But he is Michael Voss. And it's like... We're sort of living through the same things that he had at Brisbane. It's like we probably should have been aware that this was a possibility. Like I said... Four weeks, huge, massive. And if we don't go well in this four-week block, if people think that the jungle drums are beating, we're, we're kind of in the back corner just tapping lightly. On bongo cam. Yeah. But that's, <laughs> just in the background at the moment, if we, if we lose the next four, it's not going to be that soft. Well, I think, I think you know, the old line of dead man walking. In a lot of trouble. <coughs> and, but I keep saying it. We said this when we hired him, that we weren't – he wasn't – in classic, uh, he wasn't a home run. No, in classic, he, he, he needed a lot to go right for him. He wasn't our preferred candidate. We have absolutely no sway. We run a silly little podcast, but we were Ross or Kingers. Yep. In terms of who coaches us next, that's who we had thought from our outside. And from, for a variety of reasons. For a variety of, yep. our, our perspective was Ross or Kingers. Yep. That's, that's our guy. So we've hired Voss. The club's done that. We said it on the podcast after we hired him. We hope he's a fucking roaring success. And early, he looked great. And we still hope that's the case. Yeah, of course we do. However, questions have to be asked. Yep. Questions will be asked. He's got a fantastic opportunity. He does. If to right can... the ship and to Tim, take a new direction. That's it. And if he nails it, as we've always said, if he nails it and he writes us and then he understands how he's going to best move forward with us, there will not be three happier people no. on the planet than us. It's not about proving us wrong or proving no. me wrong or whatever. It's like, no, prove the board right to hire you. Yeah. And and all we ever do is ask the question of saying, is this the right direction? And, and, the, and the answer to every question we ask, even if we ask it from a negative standpoint, if the answer is yes, fine. Good. Fine. We just want to be satisfied that we're doing everything that we can be to be the best that we can be, whatever that looks like. I want to dismiss, there was a lot of rhetoric going around and, and this always comes up and I made a special note of it. Whenever a coach is in trouble and we had this conversation during the last days of Teague, uh, probably Bolton as well, people always go, oh, what if the Tigers had got rid of Dimmer? What if the Cats had got rid of Thompson? People are saying that one a little bit less. Yep. But oh, what if, the, what, if, what if Melbourne had got rid of Goodwin? And you're going, 
Okay. They so, were coaches that were having 15 win seasons. This is it. And coming up short in finals. So There's a lot going right. I had people trying to say, uh, and so, like some of them, honestly, it was, it was some of the conversations were so frustrating. The team that Damien Hardwick inherited in 2010 would lose to the team that they Michael... Were dog, they were dog shit. Would lose to the team that Michael Voss inherited last week. By 80 points. By 80 points yep. last year. Yep. They would lose that match. What he started with cannot be compared to what Michael Voss started with. Correct. Two completely different situations. One list very much at the beginning. One list sort of partway, you know, halfway yep. through the journey, hoping to get better. Well, as was the plum job. Everyone plum knew job, it. Trying to maximise the talent. We had a few issues. How can we get more out of the list? Not a premiership winning list, but a hell of a lot better than what Hardwick inherited. He built that over time. 2010, they play finals in 13. They finish fifth. I think the next year they finished eighth. The year after that, they finished fifth. That's what got him to stay. Yep. It's because the question wasn't, geez, can this guy coach? The question was, no, we, he can coach, but can he take us to the next level? Yep. When it comes to Thompson, they played in a prelim. Yeah. <laughs> they played in the preliminary final. They had a bad year off a prelim. Uh, and semi-final, Nick Davis knocks him out with the last kick of the night. Yep. So the question wasn't, geez, can this guy coach? The question was, can he take the next step? Can he take the next step? Yep. Those aren't the questions being asked of Voss. Voss is in that first one. Voss yeah. is still in the geez, is this guy Does he a, actually know what he's doing? Can he geez, can he actually wring this out of us? Yep. To compare him to what Hardwick Goodwin made a prelim. Yep. Like these guys had runs on the board. They're not at all comparable to what Voss has got. Voss has got to earn that goodwill yep. to get the stay. Well, he needs it for another contract. For yes. starters. This is it. And if we miss the mate, if we miss the eight this year. And if he holds on and we miss the eight next year, what are we doing? Yeah, well. Like, people think the question's being asked prematurely at the moment. That's fine. If things keep going the, the way they are and we're tracking backwards, yeah. which we are, at best you could say we've plateaued since the bye, which was backwards from the first half of the year. Well, <sighs> well we, what we've always and what everybody in the media says is Carlton has a great list because we've assembled six or seven absolute – a-grade footballers, we're paying them big dollars and that is the structure of the team that we're expecting to see success moving forward with. If we fail this year and next year, you're almost at the point where you start breaking up the pieces yep. and saying, what do we bolt back on to what we will and continue is, the build forward with? This is with. the problem, Tim. We, people, I think, they don't realise we are on the clock with it's this exactly list and with this salary exactly cap. We can't we be affording to wait and hope that the coach maybe might, can he turn it around? No. He's got to show he can turn it around. I've Absolutely. used the phrase before, senior coaching gigs are not tenured roles. You have to show and prove you are the man, you can do the job, and you have to do it every single week. And and the brutal Michael Voss that was the super successful footballer that he was is the brutal Michael Voss as a coach that we need now to make sure that he's doing everything right. And he he has been given the lay-down Mazzara on Saturday night of this is how you play to get the best out of You've this team. It. And he has to do it. And he has to adopt it. And if he doesn't, he's a dickhead. Well, that's, a, that's hard words. <laughs> um, are you consuming his press conferences? Uh, I didn't get a chance to listen to this one. Obviously, they took the piss out of him on bounce. And I saw a couple of your comments. So I'll, I'll let you lay out. So we, you were at the game, yeah? Yeah. So Fab was obviously watching at home because of his bowels. Um Apparently at half time, and Luke Power said the same thing. Like they were happy with how we were playing, and we'd kicked a goal. And you're just going, no, 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 
who are you talking to? Well, and as you say, if if your takeaway from that is we're happy, then your KPIs are very, very different to what it, ours are. I said it last week. We seem obsessed with the stat sheet. Yeah. What does the stat sheet look like, Tim? Geez, the stats look pretty good. The scoreboard doesn't, but the stats look pretty good. Yeah. So that's telling me that the method's not working. Correct. Throw the that's stat exactly sheet right. out. Yeah. Stop looking at we're ahead in clearance and hard balls and we're ahead in uh, sorry, contested ball, ground balls, we're ahead in inside 50s. Going, that should be alarm bells. Yeah. If we've got one goal and we're doing everything we had 29, right. We had 29 inside 50s for one goal. Then the way is right. Yeah, you absolutely. Go, you go, who are you? I, I, I watched this press conference and I did the silly tweet along thing and I'm just watching it going, who are you talking to? Yeah. Because your audience needs to be, the people who care about what you're saying are not the journos in the room. Yeah. You're talking to Carlton fans. Every, who, who have just watched the game. Who've just watched the game. And and, and, and if they're, if they're yeah. keen enough to watch your press conference, what are you telling them? You're not talking to the, the scribes in the room. Yep. You're not talking to their editors who are going to put any other piece in the paper the next day yep. or on the website. You're talking to Carlton fans and, and you, some of the stuff you're saying is rubbish. Yes. And, and it's not the forum to give away trade secrets. But what would Blight say? He would say it's not good enough. Malcolm Blight would be, he just, it's not good enough. It's where he goes, we have to be, it's just not acceptable. Yep. Unacceptable. But, but, but also the coach that's not doing it right needs to say, um, we have to look at our strategy and make changes to adapt. I'm going to big note myself here, Timbo. I have got <laughs> a very expensive piece of paper from a university regarding communications. Wowee. It is so far achieved nothing for me. <laughs> it's led me to a very, very lucrative uh, career at Australia Post delivering mail. But the point I'm trying to make is we. you might remember me talking about David Teague. You might remember me talking about what I thought and perceived to be a lack of comms support for yes. our coaches. Yes. It's persisting. Yeah. They're sending out Adam Chera. They're sending out Voss. We are not tooling up our people they all contradict one another. They all step over each other. One of them, Ashley Hansen, has to come out and clean up the mess that Voss created. Or, yep. you know, this is happening too regularly. Yes, and it's happened across multiple coaches now. These people are footballers or football coaches. They are not PR experts. Yep, you have to hire someone to coach them. Yeah, absolutely. Timbo, you're going up in front of the media today. The messages are A, B, C, and D. Yep, I've I've seen that happen. Happen. I have seen, and sometimes people. I've, go I've off seen script. it firsthand in my time at Port Adelaide, where before people get get put in front of the um, uh, the camera, um, Hitaf Rashid, who is remember Roger Rashid. I the do remember coach? Roger Rashid. Hitaf is yeah, big uh, arms as well. Yeah, like is uh, Roger's sister. I just remember him sitting on the sideline, like at Rod Laver and tennis being tennis. You know, they go to him, and go, Roger, what are you seeing down there? And he's like Saddam Hussein in a, in a well. He's like. <laughs> Yeah, I think Leighton just needs to really just focus on um, you know, that forehand side. He's in the spider hole. He's in the spider hole going, that forehand's really causing him some grief. Um, and it's just like, Roger, this sit in the fucking soundproof bunker. Yeah. Funnily enough, when I was working the Australian Open, we did the walk of champions and whatever, which was... Did they show you the spider hole? They didn't show us Roger Rashid's <laughs> spider hole. <laughs> Remember when he came out, Saddam came out of the hole. And could you imagine like the guys that like they've dragged him out? Who was the first bloke to go, because I'm shocking with this, who was the first bloke to go, I fucking think that's Saddam Hussein. 
Because they wouldn't have just looked at him and gone, Saddam. He would have, like you and me, would have been standing there and someone would have gone, I think that's Saddam Hussein. Yeah. Is that Saddam Hussein? Well, and they would have had intel that it was. But what, but but even then, you're just like, yeah. is that him? Because it wasn't like, it wasn't exactly like. He wasn't representing the best image of himself, No, because he had the big beard. But it wasn't like, you know, in, when they went and got Osama and it's like, we're going to get specifically one man. Yeah. Here it was like, he, they might not have even known he was in the area or expected him maybe, possibly here. There's a, there's a chance that there is a fella down a hole. There's a chance that there is. There is a man could be Saddam. It is Saddam. It's fucking Roger Rashid. Yeah. <laughs> they lifted the lid and he's going, yeah, Andy Roddick's just got to get that first surf going. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> um, go on about Rashid, please. Oh, no, no, I was just saying, Hataf was the um, marketing... Media uh, PR. Correct, wow. person at Port Adelaide and... Uh, it, whether it was because I think one time there was a uh, the pre the curtain raiser mm-hmm. to a Port Adelaide game was um, a national under eighteen championship game, so I think Blair got a chance to go in front of the media, and then I think they were also going to talk to somebody else yep. uh, who was involved with the senior team pre game, and and Hitaf would just say, "We're focusing on this. We're focusing on this. We're focusing on this." Like, and there was like four major points, and. The whole club would have said, "This is the focus. This is this is the spin coming out of the club. Yep. This is what we're saying. This is how we're addressing it." And particularly when you're under the pump and you're under pressure, yep. we've spoken about it in the past. I'd be sitting there with Voss. Say his press conference is on a Friday. Yep. I reckon on Thursday afternoon, you'd be saying, "No, we're going to make time for this. None yep. of this. I'm too busy bullshit." Yep. Going, we're going to sit in your office in the media room. I don't care. And I'm going to go through And it. I'm going to fucking grill you. And, you. and you are going to have cheat sheets going yep. into a press conference saying these are the things I'm that gonna you want to say. I'm going to give it. We're gonna, we're gonna, we can check off another one on the Prendercast bingo here. It wasn't yeah. on the notes, but we can check off Paddy Dow. But, for example, when that became a talking point, you'd sit there and you'd go, the question I asked mockingly on pod, Michael Voss is there, you're having your press conference. Mike, you've got a guy like Paddy Dow who's been playing pretty sensational football at the twos level, VFL Team of the Year squad last year. He won your twos best and fairest. He's leading the VFL coaches' votes to this point. Can't get a look in. Why is that? Oh, we're doing this too. And he goes, well, what does he need to do to get a game then? Yep. Just going, someone might ask this if they're switched on. Someone yep. might ask this. And just be really like, you actually almost have to be, it's the Dennis Lilly train how you want to play. Yep. I'm going to be more aggressive than the press conference. Yep. I'm going to be more aggressive I don't think I've ever told the, told this story um, because it doesn't have any credibility in front of Fab. But Love it. I did um, year twelve Italian, oh, and, and you can probably speak it better than him. <laughs> I wouldn't have thought so. I haven't used it since year twelve. But you you had to do an oral cat. So obviously, yeah, you know, if you speak like, and I think Fab did year twelve Italian in like year eight or nine, <laughs> and got like A pluses because Cheating. because he knows what he's doing. Um, he speaks it at home. I, on the other hand, not so much. But you you prepared a piece and you spoke it in Italian to a panel of three people. Were they Italian? Uh, they were Italian. Yeah. And they then ask you questions in Italian <laughs> afterwards. So my answer would have been Roberto Baggio. <laughs> yeah. So in in preparation, you, you write what you're going to say. You practice saying it, and you'd say it to the classroom, and the classroom would listen and they'd understand. And then on, and so you'd have ten people in the room that would then ask you questions. And we practiced it a few times. So, what you were reliant on was that your ten people were going to ask you similar sorts of yes. questions as what your panel of three would. And one of my best mates, Rob, who was Italian but spoke a dialect at home, 
he his presentation. Mine was about swimming and all that sort of stuff because that was Fucking what was central was. to Alex me at the Popov. time. Yeah, correct. And um, was he Italian? He was Russian. He was Russian. And uh, they, um, he, my mate Rob had just gotten his license, and he was one of the oldest in our group. And so he just talked about. He was actually twenty six. He'd, yeah, he'd been held back. No, a bit. But he talked about his journey, learning to drive, getting his L's, all that sort of stuff, all the practice, getting his license, all good, and then. One of the um, – and, like, we've answer, asked him all the questions. Anyway, one of his the, – the people marking him turns around and goes, oh, do you think we should be, uh, you know, raising the, the drinking age so that uh, you're not getting your licence and your ability to be able to drink at the same time? Should things change? Because obviously you can get your licence as a 16-year-old in America, but they mm. don't drink till they're 21. And it was a really strong, high-level philosophical question about how do we address safety in the road toll in Australia? And what did he interpret in it Italian? As? <laughs> and as he said, he goes, "I couldn't, I couldn't answer the question in English, let alone answer it in Italian." <laughs> so, but he understood it. Look, he understood it, and he said, "He said I just tried to get it out as best as I could." I thought you were going to say he misunderstood it. They were talking about raising the driving age. No, 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 no. Like, but as he sort of said, he reckons he used a few words from dialect and not yeah. Dante's Italian and all that sort of stuff. But the comment being, "I couldn't even answer it in English, let alone Italian," I thought was an absolute corker <laughs> because I, I got I got absolute pies bowled at me in response to my swimming presentation. They're yep. they easy questions. They're easy answers. <laughs> you were just and, like, see. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go, what more do you want me to say? Yep. I agree. Yep. <laughs> oh, very good, Tim. That was an excellent. I like that. That was a good story. I'm going to put another marker. We're going to move on now to. Oh, oh no. here we go. <laughs> oh, shit. It's Wiz Khalifa and Charlie Puth. <laughs> oh, what are you doing here? Oh, dear. This only means one thing, Tim. Oh, I've got to get the mixer fixed. Oh shit. Oh. Why did we play that, Tim? Because the blues are no good again. Tim. We are shit again. We are <laughs> shit again. You know what I like about that song? The Fast and the Furious 7, or whatever it was called, had absolutely no right to be as delicate and tactful and beautiful in the handling of Paul Walker's death as they were. Who? Have you seen it? Oh, I haven't. It's no. No, like I wouldn't rush out to see it, but obviously at the time it was a big thing because yeah. he, he had died. Yeah, and they'd made the movie. It was a bit uncomfortable when his character was having all these near misses throughout mm. the throughout yeah. the movie. Yeah, you're yeah. like, uh, you're sort of playing that the tension in the audience is we know that the guy has died in real life, so you're going to kill him here. Yeah, it was a bit. Ugh. But then in the end, they did this like really beautiful kind of like ethereal send off yeah, where they okay. they kind of drove off together, and you're like. This is actually, it's not quite Field of Dreams level of emotional subtlety and pathos, but you're like, it's actually very affecting at the You've same time. You've done it quite, quite well. Well, as you say, it's, we always talk about uh, life imitating art. Well, mm. it was asked to do it in reverse, wasn't it? Yes, which is, I could look, what an awful situation to be in. Well, MasterChef's going through it at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, they are. But I think uh, Paul Walker, by the way, of course, for anyone, we're gonna. That's another one. Dead. Oh no, actually, dead. Dead celebrities was actually an addendum. Someone suggested that they should add us talking about tick dead celebrities. Kingers, I think someone mentioned we they should add that. But yeah, hundred percent. Like you think we've made this movie and it's cost us hundred million fifty million dollars yeah. to make, and we're hoping that it'll make seven hundred eight hundred minimum. It's like so we can't do nothing with it. But now we've also got to address this, which how do we do that? How do we do it satisfactorily? And in the end, they did a pretty – it was a pretty good job. Yeah. Yep. Um, 
the next heading I've got here is madness to the method. Okay. Do you like what I've done with that? I do. I'm going to use the word again, fundamentally. Fundamentally, Voss and his coaches have us playing the wrong style of football, both for our list and today's game of football. It's a little bit akin to, and you hear this when soccer managers under pressure, it's the, he doesn't know his best 11. Yep. And that's a refrain that a lot of fans use watching their soccer team play, frustrated, going, you don't know your best 11, we're chopping and changing, there's no continuity. And it's a valid criticism when you're going, you actually don't even seem to know how to set us up, what's the formation, you're chopping and changing that. And when a manager is doing that, it's sort of an admission. It's tantamount to... I don't know at all. I actually don't know. I'm trying yep. different things to see what happens. So if the way we played on Saturday night wasn't good enough to beat the Bulldogs, so in the first half particularly, it's not going to beat a better team. No. And it's absolutely not going to win finals. Yes. So why would we even entertain persisting with it? It's a great question. Do I need to answer it? We're I think moving it's, on. It was, well, re, yeah, as you say... It really is genuinely the rhetorical question. It is, and and that's the challenge. Is is we have seen on Saturday night what we believe is going to work, and more of the way that we pick a team, we set up, and we seek to play has to be in line with a little bit more of the, uh, you know, win turnover, go forward chaotically, take territory, push, mm-hmm. move it fast, give our big guys a chance. It has to be the way that we're going to play because trying to orchestrate and set up and have everything as um, uh, controlled as we've sought to do, and and like you said before, yeah, you know, we've we set up against a Richmond cautiously Ugh. being slow, having defence first, and in hindsight, Richmond don't really have that many weapons. They're not that dangerous, and the reality is we sh- we should have played the way we played against West Coast against a team like a Richmond. Yep. Should have played that way against St Kilda. We should have played that way against the Western Bulldogs, and we didn't. Feels like we just learned that lesson too late. That's correct. But not late enough that they can't do something about well, it. Well, it's we're, we're nine rounds in, and we have a four, third, what, how many are going to, we're going to play 23, aren't we? Yeah. We have 14 um, rounds still to play. There's a lot of football in 14 rounds, and then you can either be really good, or really shit. <laughs> it could either go well <laughs> or badly. Um, here's a collector's item. I'm actually going to quote and praise something that old mate, where is my soundbite? Has said in the past. Wow-wee. So this is a collector's item. Anyone out there wanting to save this as an NFT. That won't be on the board. <laughs> no, no, no. Anyone who wants to save this next however many minutes as an NFT, it could be worth something because it will be one of one. <laughs> so some time ago being a Man United fan, I think that might be on the checklist. 80s film reference. Man United reference, it is. I'm going to check another one off. Um, Manchester United under Louis van Gaal had this really frustrating philosophical approach. And one day, Fab sort of beautifully uh, encapsulated it as Louis van Gaal would rather draw three games in a row than win one and lose two. Yep. And the net is the same. Is the same. It's three points. Yep. But he would rather play in a style that is three boring draws then, geez, if we play a certain way, we might actually win two of them. Yep. We might win one and draw one. We might win all three. But we've got to throw caution in the wind. He would rather go, no, no, safety first and have three draws yep. and one win and two losses. And I thought that might be the smartest thing that man has ever said. Yes. Um, it's a shame I wasn't recording it <laughs> as an original. Um, well, it's very much where we're at, isn't it? This is it. So 
why would we – we're going into the game on the weekend, you know, we're 4-1-3, and three, we're now 4-1-4, and four, so we've been playing this really methodical, boring, downright, just not working style of game, and it's got us a break-even result. Yeah. Would we be worse off playing the footy that got us to 8-2? and two? And and I think one of the I don't, key, I, don't, I don't think we'd be worse off. No, I don't think we'd be worse off. And and I think for where we found ourselves in the season, and I have said it before, the moment you draw a game from a percentage perspective, you only have one team you're competing against because there's only one team that can end up on the same amount of premiership mm. points as you do unless you draw another game. So in a game against Collingwood, pride aside – if we roll the dice and just try and play the same chaotic style of football, if we get done by 80, okay, not good. They are on top of the ladder. They're a good team. Don't let Fab hear us say that. He won't be listening. He doesn't listen when he's not on. <laughs> but, but if we roll the dice and have a crack and, God forbid, something good comes from it and, and Frank's the fact that this is the style of football we need to be angling towards, fantastic. And if by trying it and seeing what we can do with maybe a couple of different personnel or different positioning or whatever, but just a, a style and, a, and an approach that can see us move forward and we get done, I can live with it. I can live with it. But this is it. And this is what we talk about playing a more attractive, more interesting style of football. So Sunday's a home game for us. And I spoke about it before. We made the note before. If you play a more expansive, more exciting, more high-octane, higher-scoring brand of football, the type we did in the first part of last year, I said it six times we kicked 100 points or more. We did it once in the back part of the year. What Colin would do expertly and what they do well and what they've tapped into very brilliantly is the crowd. Yeah. Our crowds are like a fucking mortuary. Uh, mortuary. Our crowds... Uh, because you're not giving us anything to cheer about. Well, and we're worried about what we're going to see. You're not giving us anything to be enthused about. You're not giving us anything to be optimistic about. You're playing a style of football that is so boring to watch. And when you drop the hammer a little bit on Saturday night, the crowd fucking came alive. Yeah, yeah. And the players, my God. If you watch the replay, if you were there on the night, you'd know it. The players, they sparked up. They really did. Charlie Curno. Sparks up. He wants the big fucking, you know, the the big, uh, you know, one fist, the bicep when he put through the goal from fifty. Going, he doesn't want. Yeah, no, no, shit, no. A polite round of applause. We're five goals down. He wants the big roar, and he wants to be the guy who, depending on this is a footy fun footy thing, but depending on where you're sitting in the stadium, you're very rarely right behind the kick. Yep. So you're looking at him, and he kicks it and gives it the big one off the boot. The crowd goes with him. They're on the journey with the players. Use that. Yep. And if you lose a game of footy, well, you've lost them all. You've lost plenty already playing another style of football yep. that completely yep. takes that out of it. And, and you're not expected to be competing against this team. We've gone with them a couple of – like we've been done in the, the Weedering game when we went in expecting to win. But, no Harry. Uh, and no Harry in that one, was it? And then, uh, and then obviously the last round of the year it was like we've got everything to gain and we've just got to have a crack and – as you've sort of said, we played two quarters where we didn't kick a goal, kicked two in the other one, and then had an eight-goal island. Yep. Um, you know, just have a crack. We have got something. Collingwood have it. Richmond have it. You know, Essendon, when they're playing well, have it. Um, even like even Port Adelaide, less so than Adelaide when when Adelaide are playing good footy. You know, West Coast have it when they're playing good footy. It's such a commodity. A big crowd, a big following. Oh, totally. 
who is totally on your side and wants to see you win and wants to and wants to give you the energy, but they have to have something that feeds that energy. Yep. And that's and, goals. Yep. And that's that that starts with us. And it's a sense of it's a sense of Collingwood Abbott because their fans have been conditioned now because of a good run of form in the last year and a bit that they're not out of games. Yep. And that belief then feeds the crowd. The crowd don't go dead because the crowd are conditioned to think we're still in this. Essendon 20 years ago, if they were within four goals, you were always worried. Yep. Because they had it. They had it. And I was afraid of it as a supporter. You had to kill them off because if they get involved, we're in strife. 100%. And, uh, and I hated it with a passion that it was there, but it was there and good luck there. to them. We have that if we want to use it. Yep. Confidence is the next heading, and a serious lack of confidence throughout the entire group is typified by two players. Jacob Wiedering. That is one. Harry Mackay. Harry Mackay. So those two players are excellent players. They have played brilliant football for us. Um, one of them is an All-Australian. One of them should be a multiple-time All-Australian. And for me, like we spoke about it last week, Wiedering's start to the year was fine. It wasn't, yeah, it was. it, it wasn't outstanding, but it was fine. And then the last couple of weeks have been disappointing by his very high, very lofty standards. Yep. McKay's playing good footy up the ground. He is. That goal-kicking side of his game is lacking at the moment. But nothing sums up our issues more than I'd, McKay's goal-kicking. Yeah. Because his field-kicking, I said to Dad, he, he took a mark out on the sort of advanced, just shy of the wing, uh, obviously hard against the boundary because that's how we play. And then he ran in and he put the ball on a dime. Yeah. He's beautiful, a beautiful kick. Yeah, beautiful set shot. Put the ball exactly where he wanted to, you know, 20 metres out from goal. Yeah. And I just turned to Dad and said, is he kidding? There's no problem with this bloke's Like, kidding. are we kidding? Yeah. And this idea that he can't kick for goal, yeah, the fact that he has no confidence in front of goal, I'd be showing him that going, you put that exactly where you wanted to. Yeah. Later but, on, he laced someone out as well when he yeah. went up on the wing. He went exactly where he wanted he to. He kicked a beautiful long goal from about 60 in the practice match. But there was a strong wind that was going a little bit left to right. So all you had to do was sort of kick it up and let the breeze take it from left goalpost through. Mm. And he just let it sail in through the breeze. And and that probably it made it easier to execute. And it's a little bit like that kick around the corner. You know, you know if you really get bold and push it hard to the far side and let it curl in, if you've kicked it right, it'll do what you want it to do. But again, he's he's just in his head at the moment because coach, like coach, that's and the, and the saddest thing, coach is, it out of him. Well, as you say, is it is it just go back and just kick the drop? Well, the one from straight in front, he had to, and um, and in the end, <coughs> the one that he kicked, he, he did that hard kick around the corner. But as you say, where are you setting up from when you're straight in front? What are you aiming for? Because you're not you're not kicking it around the corner, so. What's your starting point? What are you actually aiming at? And in the end, like it was like he aimed at the point post and tried to hit it hard, mm. and it turned, but it turned far too late. And he was Sam Walsh it, it was good nev- at, it was uh, never on target. And and those kicks shouldn't be. Mm. They shouldn't start on target. They should end on target. But it was just all things wrong. Walsh is very good at the check side hard at the left post. Yeah, that's right. That comes back that's, around. That's exactly right. And then the other coach, the other note I've got here with and, the and all I was going to say is quarter one, you execute that one, you've got the momentum, you're away, you've got the crowd, and you're away. And the next time you have a shot, the monkey's off your back. Yeah, you're, you, we've you, let it fester because for whatever reason we haven't coached it out of him. That's exactly right. Just, no one's picked. Someone would have picked it up eventually, but no one's picked it up who's working with him and just goes, "Mate, okay, what we're going to we need to get you 
drop punts. Yep. Now, unless you're on that right hand side. Yep. And it's the left. Well, that's exactly that's fine. right. That's so in every terms time of on you, the boundary, every time you lead right. Yep. When you mark the ball, you're kicking a drop punt. Just go, you're if, you're kicking, a drop if you're punt. marking in front, you're kicking a drop just punt. Kicking a drop punt. Mate. If you're in the in the left pocket, when you've led left and you've taken the mark, you're kicking a left, a left foot screw kick. That, then, that's fine. If you're on the boundary, you go. That's fine. Yep. Not a problem in the world. Like I just think that put together some edits of him beautifully kicking the football. Yeah. It's a, it's not that hard. And just go. You can do it. And do it before practice. Oh. And let him go out. Practice it, yep. get it right. Spend some time with it. We don't have to hire Sav Rocker. We don't have to hire Brennan Favola. We don't have to do that. Just get one of your development coaches out there to stand with him and kick a few balls back to him. Yep. Have him take set shots through the drop punt and just go, sit. Just get in that rhythm. Get in that rhythm yep. again. Believe in the action and the mechanics. Well, and, and that's what it is. It's the action and the mechanics because the result will take care of itself. Absolutely. If you're doing it right, you'll be okay. The other one and I've... then your job is just to execute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 if you if you manage to hit one just a little bit wrong in the heat of battle or you're tired or whatever, that's fine. That's yeah, fine. But so long as you know that we don't eight, want to see eight your times out of ten, we don't yeah. want to see your bellying snaps from directly in front. That's exactly right. The other one I got regarding confidence, and this is an issue for our coaches. Did you see Adam Chera's heat map? Yeah, I did. Disgraceful. Well, it is like again, oh, that sounds like a hard word. For Baganash talked last week. The heat map was right. For Baganash, it was right in the middle of the ground, and he he'd been our best player across the season. He's our most informed midfielder. Yep, yep. And we're going to shunt him out to a flank, and he was being his. And and look, if if the um, the pivot had been Walsh gets more in the middle, and Chera goes out there, and the sum total is better for Carlton. Okay, Tim, but Tim. It's not working. I'm gonna I'm gonna do my Roger Rashid. This is becoming a new character. Just play Walsh on the wing. Yeah. When you got Adam Chera in hot form, <coughs> he's the hot hand. Yep. And he's playing midfield. He's playing on ball. Just leave him there. Well, and when you've got when that's, play, ex- that's too clever by half. Well, when you've expected when when you've uh, asked Kennedy to play half back and it hasn't worked. And you're pushing some other players up to half forward. And not saying that Sam Doherty to half forward hasn't worked, but it's it's an option. It was a weird that, move to, to put him back. Uh, was it in the second half or the last? At the start of the second half, he lined up on Bailey Dale. Bailey Dale. But obviously, Bailey Dale had had a lot of it. He's sort of going. He's just, arguably, if he's not the best kick in the competition, is that the best match? He's probably behind Jordan Dawson. Is that the best matchup for us? If he's quelling Dale, because Dale. Could he Dale not be, loves could a he bit of space. Could he not do more damage if he was more offensively minded? Well, watching the game, Doherty is the guy that positions himself in the corridor for the 45, and mm-hmm. he's the guy that's forever trying to be the link. He he knows he knows our game plan. I, <laughs> it sounds dumb, but I tell you what, if Vossi was given the flick, you could play Sam Doherty as play a coach. Play a coach. Because I reckon he knows exactly what needs to happen. And I, you know what I love? On field, you know he is the Tim? guy that follows it. Damn, you know what I love? Tea. I'm going to say it. We've said we need a mad scientist and some weird different thinking. <laughs> it's like, why Doc is, is that? Doc is Coach It sounds absurd. But like, in a day and age, it will never happen again. But in a day and age where coaches are sitting down on the boundary line doing nothing, wearing a headset, talking to nobody, why are they even down there? They just want to be on the camera a bit more often or seem like they're doing more stuff. Um. Like it's like, why is that so fanciful? Yeah. Like as serious, as silly as it sounds, you're going. It would never happen. But why is it? You sa- say you're sacky coach with four games to go. Why is it so nonsensical to go? 
We're running with a player coach. I reckon we're running with a player coach. We're running with a player coach because this can, guy... And, and can you wire him up? Can he run around with a headset like go, you this, and I? But it's like this guy <laughs> gets the game and he gets the yeah. group and he gets whatever. It's literally... Man United did it with Ryan Giggs when he coached the last four games of the year. Yep. And it was like... As I said, it's madness. Do you and, remember when Hansi Cronier played a game in a World Cup with an earpiece? That was pretty line, direct line to his bookie. That was what that's the million-dollar question is. Who was he talking to? That's one of my favourite gags of all time when one of those full frontals was yeah. – um, uh, we had a, a Hansi Cronier edition of Test Match. It came with the scorecard already filled out. <laughs> Poor Hansi. I think he died Dead. in a plane crash. Yeah, he did. A plane or helicopter? Yeah, one of the two. Yeah. Um, sad. Yeah, sad and just – we're not advocating cheats. We spoke about eight men out earlier, but there was a very real possibility that he probably wasn't being as well paid as maybe Australian counterparts or English yep. counterparts, and there was maybe not a lot of money in South African cricket. I mean, it's always on the bones of its ass. Because he seemed to be living a good life, though. Because he was fixing matches. Well, he probably getting, was, too. Like, so he was getting paid twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he, and, to, and to be fair, he might not have even been fixing matches as such. Just spot fixing. Spot fixing, yeah. You know, whatever. Um, <laughs> which, which is a harmless crime in the end. The only people that lose out of the bookies. Um, yeah, so, I mean, last I've got here, this was for Fab. Fab is not here. But we look like a cobbled-together team at indoor soccer in the first half. Yep. You know when there's there's a, a spare game, you finish your game, and the centre manager comes over, the team that's meant to be playing next hasn't turned up, they can't turn up. Look, boys, do you want to have a free game? Do you want to have a run around? Because the team that has turned up needs to play somebody, A, so the centre can get paid, Yep. and B... So the fixture and the ladder and all that kind of stuff gets fulfilled. So they go, oh, look, yeah, does anyone want to have a second game? And the whole team probably can't, but you and I do, two blokes from another team do, and then one layabout goes, I'll have a game. Yep. So the five of us and don't... The, and the bloke at the kiosk says, uh, we're not doing much trade. No one's buying Sloopies. I'll ever run. Whatever, 100%. And so you, what you end up getting is this real cobble together. There's no continuity. There's no... You might put something together yep. where you're like, that was actually not too bad. Yeah. But for the most part, you're a mess. Yeah, correct. Structurally, and it's you don't know each other. In the first half, that's what we look like. Yep. We look like a team of strangers. Yeah, we did. And you're going for a team that's played a lot of footy together, that's trained together. Again, that's a coaching problem. Well, it really is. But there's really no is. there's no chemistry. That's exactly what we're missing. And that's why when you play a little bit faster. And you get the ball to Walsh and Saad. Yep. And Doc's not too bad. People are coming for Doc with disposal and whatnot. But, you know, guys like that who are just instinctively let's go. Yep. And Charlie's absolutely like that, sometimes to a fault. Yep. Let's just go. And just, I mean. And that, but that's, and that's, sorry to stop it. That's generally how you play as well. Yep. When you end up in those, one of those cobbled together games, you're yep. like, I want to score a few goals. And, and is that, like, there's been a little bit of criticism. And I'm not directing this at you, but Please. For, for Blake Akers and Ollie Hollands, um, on, on occasions they've said um, their disposal hasn't been fantastic. They're both new to this system. They are, they are genuinely, they are the kiosk boy. That Blake Akers <laughs> stat on Saturday night someone sent me was like, it was, oh, look, once again, I want Blake Akers to be a fucking superstar. Yeah, yeah. But it was a little bit like, I opened up Twitter and it was a Christmas present yeah. that someone had sent us. His first eight kicks were clangers. Yeah. And yeah. you're just going, 
But you don't, as you said, you don't want that. This is good for me needling fab. Yeah. This is bad for the team. But at the end of the day, we want to win games of football, so more targets you can being attest, hit uh, uh, is better. You can attest to how fab was a little bit stum on the text as I was asking him <laughs> about Blake Akers. Well, as you sort of say, when you – and I never did high school debating, but um, obviously there will be times when you are given – the affirmative in something that you believe stridently in yep. and then every now and again you're going to be given to the negative just, and going, how the hell do I argue this? Sometimes <laughs> it just falls completely in your lap yeah. and you're thinking, I don't know if I said this earlier with Acres, but it's like you think that you're right. You have an opinion and you have an opinion because you believe in that opinion and again, I can't stress this enough, I didn't never said he was shithouse yeah. and you have this opinion <laughs> and then people disagree. Dis- <laughs> they they disapprove of it and they disagree with you and you you know you cop a bit of shit and then you're like none of you people have said a fucking peep for <laughs> well, two and, weeks and, and what upsets me the most is I believe you were wrong and and I still believe but you were wrong <laughs> but um, it's coming a, back a little bit a, again when you sometimes need a little bit of evidence to be able to back up your point in the last two weeks there's been precious little from uh, old shady. It's so. been good. I like it. Um, we're going to go now chicken shits. Should be very briefly. This segment's sort of becoming a little bit more choose your own adventure. Chicken uh, salad, sorry. Both of them are becoming a little bit more choose your own adventure if anyone has anything to bring to the table. So that's somewhat of a on-the-run format change from me for Baganoush, if you're listening, and Tim. Uh, chicken salads, I think, will be a little less structured and yep. a little bit more open forum as to what did we like potentially as a positive out of the game. Um, I've got two. I've got one. Give what? me Give me it. Two words. Cottrell's run. And liked it, yes. See, I've got Walsh's run yeah, as well. When, yep. we, when we got yep. going, he was he was his old self, which and was great. I, I wrote one first before I came here, and I've written one since. And and all it was that was that we defended stoutly. Yep. But but as we sort of said, fundamentally, that's probably part of our issue it's, is we're so aligned to defence. Well, it should succeed, it's an excellent then point. what happens next? It's an excellent point because, you know, I spoke recently about the whole baseball thing and ERA and giving yourself not a lot to defend. And that's the problem with our defence and with a guy like Jacob Wiedering, go. I actually look at it and go, no wonder you're a bit under the pump, mate. Yeah. Because we're putting up no scores. Yeah. So you have to be excellent yep. in every contest. Yep. Because we're putting up nothing to help you out. So there's no wonder why you're having a bit of a rough patch because you're probably thinking... I'm under the pump every single week. <laughs> yes. Um, I also had a nice little shout-out, chicken salad, for Matt Oes. Yep. Kicked these three goals. And worked awfully worked hard awfully drumming hard. up the crowd. Does it does a good jumper tug. If, when you see the cheerleaders, mm-hmm. and you know, obviously there's you know the pretty girls that are flicking up in the air and guys catch them and all that sort of stuff, but there's always that guy that has sweatbands on that carries the biggest – like big cardboard, like megaphone I thing. I wondered where you were going with big there for a moment. <laughs> but he's got the big cardboard yeah, yeah, megaphone yeah. and all that. So I just felt like Matt always could have picked one of them up. And and, and from his college days, he would have seen plenty of it. But he's, uh, he came in and uh, gave us gave us goals. Absolutely. That's what you need. I still think we need An to- energy. Uh, Jesse Modlop had a couple of nice moments. And the, you know what I actually will The rundown tackle was just You know what I will delight. say about Jesse Modlop? A Tell few, me. A few times in transition, I actually turned to Dad. And look, one of the knocks I've got on Jesse, such as it is, and he can't really do much about this physiologically, is you go, he's probably a little bit a yard too slow. Yep. 
not too slow, but for what you would like. You would yep. like him to be a bit more electrifying. Cosy Pickett, that Jeff Garlett when he was yep. at his yep. best. There were a couple of moments on Saturday night where he was as quick as I've ever seen him. I think what he has... With ball in hand and chase down yeah. tackles and he, stuff. He I has went, oh, power you. and acceleration. I was like, that's quick. Yeah, whereas I think... Um, like our mate um, Garlett. Uh, no, no. Uh, who was the bloke that we got? Pickett. Pickett. Jared Pickett. Didn't Jared Pickett's electrifying acceleration was off the charts. Unbelievable. And um, and and like I still remember when he ran, he ran the grand final sprint, and he was five meters in front after twenty meters, mm. and he didn't sustain the speed. And it was one of those Richmond guys, like a never made it. Yeah. Like his back end speed was phenomenal. But and, getting and, and, to and, top and, speed. Yeah. And so you're right. There is there are elements to speed, and. I think Motlop has a change of pace and he's got a few, a couple of strides where he can move real quick. He won't... I just felt like more than we'd seen at any point today. I agree. There was I a agree. few moments on Saturday you went, he is fucking booking there. And, and I reckon Matt Cottrell, Matt Cottrell has sustained speed. Mm. And, and, it, and as you say, it, so use it. Jesse used it at the right time on a few occasions. Yes, do it more. Jesse Owens. Jesse Owens. Um, <laughs> Do we have no more chicken salads? I didn't have anything else. Like it. Chicken shits. Look, we don't want to labour it. Like the first half was frustrating, so disappointing to watch. Um, I got a chicken shit here, which is a really small one. But I thought that in retrospect, summing up the game, like, do you remember the first possession of the game? Jesus, you're testing the memory. First possession of the game. So no, we, we, get a, have to walk we get a free it. kick or something. Pitto gets a free kick. Yep. And he dishes off to Doc. Yep. You're on the wrong side, Doc. Yeah, he's on his left foot, wasn't he? You're on the wrong side, mate. Yep. Like, Fisher does that at least once a week. Yep. You're like, you're on the wrong side, mate. Yep. Like, we all, everyone here knows you're left-footed. So don't don't be there. Why are you running around on the right? Yep. And Doc was like the same sort of thing where you're like, and then the the kick was hurried and went nowhere. So we look, chicken cheese. To be fair, I don't want to labour it too much because... We've sort of spoken about the coaching staff and mentality a lot and all that. Was you know, we've done that to death. Well, we know what our chicken shits are. You can talk set, yeah, confidence you can talk we spoke set about shot it. kicking, we can talk about slow slow play. We've talked about Weeder's form. Um he's probably still trying to punch a little bit too much. I'd like to see him flying for his marks. Yes. One one chicken shit which could also have gone in as a Johnny Raincloud. And this came from uh, pretty sure. No, it came from Brent Gleeson, and Brent gets a good run on he this one. He does get a good run. He needs to go on the bingo card. He yeah. and Jay Hyatt. <laughs> there is a word. Uh, you know what I would? I would probably just put on the bingo card. Tim gives an unsolicited shout out to a mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kane Best got one with party of one party for one before. So um, Jay hasn't got in yet, other than your uh, your mention. But there's a word that get you that gets used in footy. And other coaches use it. Brent, uh, Brendan Bolton was the first person I'd ever heard use it. And Green shoots? No, well, it's not as bad as that. The word is nourishment. Yeah, we're using it a bit lately. And the funny thing is it's, it's a great word mm. because it does say everything that you need to say. But it's getting overused a at the bit. moment. And <clears throat> as I said, my first comment was I hate that word back to Brenton. A few of the boys were going up to Sydney within two weeks' time. But I said it's a good word. But in the context of big, fast athletes in combat, it seems significantly out of place. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And look, we're using it probably a little bit too much. Maybe we're contributing to that. 
Parker used to be a big fan of bona fides. Yeah, I love bona fides. He used to say that a lot. That's gone out of the lexicon. That yep. needs to come back. Um, but what it does tell you and, and where we're at is we, we are saying we need to change our our style mm. and our strategy and our attitude. And and what what will always happen when you're trying to institute that is you will do it and it'll work. That gives you the nourishment to say, let's keep doing that. And right. so it, it is a good word because because it, it's going to have to be incremental. It's not a sudden shift and all of a sudden the world is great. It's going to have to be something gets adopted as we go and it needs to work as we go to keep on persisting with it. So... Good word, bad word, overused word. I agree, Tim. We're going to move on now to the next segment on the show. Oh, shit. It's another one. It's another mid-2010s banger. Uh, It's one of Fab's bands, isn't it? Sometimes he makes music that sounds like it should be like royalty-free music. Yeah. Like it's like fake music. Mm. Like, you know when people, uh, you know when people were doing that dance to the the Link Blinding Lights was the song. Yeah. And I remember hearing the song and I was like, yeah, this sounds like '80s stock music used in like a Grand Theft Auto game or something. It's not like real music. Yep. And I was I know like, what you mean. no, it's a worldwide smash hit. Correct. As you say, it it's, doesn't sound like something you, and it's not a sound that you get recreated on stage at a concert. It's bizarre. That makes no sense, but it's like it doesn't sound like real music. Correct. I know what you mean. Yeah. Why did we play that, Tim? Because uh, blues are uh, hopefully temporarily a little bit shit. <laughs> That's as good as we're going to get from you, unfortunately. Uh, we're having to wrangle something a little bit more spicy out of you. We're going to move now on to who is it? There it is. Fabian's not here, of course, to fuck this segment up again. Although I wouldn't put it past him to stuff it up, although this week of all weeks... There there were options. There were options. However, I think there's one clear standout. So give me your honourable mentions because I think there's... I think there are two honourable mentions... Well, I think there's only three people that can get the award. Yes. And it just depends. Give me your honourable mentions. Look, I thought Matt Owies was a standout. He's one. I, I thought on the night, the effort that he gave, the effort with his big hooter and all that sort of stuff to try and get the crowd moving yep. and the, t- the junk, jumper tugs and all jumper that sort of tug. stuff, I thought was amazing. Yes. Uh, I think Matt Cottrell's That's effort another and endeavour and to be able to give us something that we didn't have and make it an e- immediate impact. Give me the SI. Well, I, I, no, I do agree with it. I, I thought for effort and for sustained uh, impact and genuinely toiling when he wasn't getting the ball on his terms, I thought Jack Silvani was excellent. That means we're moving on. <laughs> Jack Silvani. <laughs> on to the mailbox. I usually like posting the mailbox a little bit late because it hopefully means we don't get so many responses. <laughs> Uh, we've managed to get 42, wow. which is wow. overs, That's to be a honest. Playing group, That's a playing uh, a support group that is... Uh... That's a lot. It's a lot of questions. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, Jay Clevs. Needing nourishment, maybe. They, maybe. <laughs> Jay Clevs. Now, shout out to Jay Clevs, because he's, he's been giving us some lovely feedback in the private uh, DM. Excellent. That's about what we do, so we really appreciate that. He kicks us off with the first one I've got here. Why don't you flip-flop every five minutes like everyone else? You and I both know the answer to that, Jake Lewis. <laughs> I've just given you a shout-out. We've covered this in our private DMs. 
Uh, fucked if I know. I like that account. Um, why do our players look lost slash confused and what can Voss do, the, do to get them playing on instinct again? So was it the Bolton stuff where the players were given too much direction? Yeah, it was. It, and the, the plan it, was becoming too kind of onerous and yeah. just too confusing. And, and he was, yeah, he overloaded them and he never put his arm around them and there was never any praise and it was all negativity. And so in the end, they just, they were paralysed and they weren't, they, they couldn't even express themselves and they weren't enjoying it and they didn't know what they were doing. So I think that the answer to that is, if that's where we're heading a little bit at the moment, yes. is that you just need to release the shackles a bit. Correct. You need to take the dog off the lead, yep. let it have a run. Yep. Um, old date Stephen Raitman, shout out, one of the pod OGs. Yes. Uh, when Luke Power says at halftime, quote, we're doing a lot right, what team was he watching and speaking about because Carlton were garbage to halftime? Steve-O? You're bang on. What did, what did Dennis, don't uh, piss on my back. Yep. Tell me it's raining. That to me is, I hate that messaging because it's so, it's just so incredibly delusional. Well, if if you're going to say that, you have to, you have to give us 45 seconds of your time that says within our coaching group and our playing group, we value this, 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 and this, because if we're winning, we are doing this. Whatever that happens to be. And so if you're saying we've got more of the ball, we're winning clearance, we're laying tackles, we're creating turnovers, and then at least say... But dress it up. Yeah, you can dress and, it up and, by and, saying... And then at least say we are confident that if we keep doing the things that we are doing, that the score will come. However, as everybody can see, in front of goal, we haven't got it done. It's not working We've only us. got one goal. However, we are only three goals adrift from a... Very, very good opponent, <laughs> Mick Mulder style. Very good football team. Um, at least then say, we think that we're in this fight and we don't think that we need to change that much and things can arrest. And then you're going, okay, you're not treating us like idiots. Like an idiot. But if you're telling us after one goal and a half of football, we're really happy with the way things are going, I call bullshit. What I would love to have loved for him to have said is, again, if he wants to say, go and, go and look, it's, it's a really um, – Tough half to make sense of because in some ways uh, we're doing we're doing bits and pieces right. Yes, we're winning a lot of the ball. You know, clearance work's been okay, um, and in other ways, because mm. we're actually fortunate to only be three goals adrift despite Correct. being, you know, ineffective in the front half. Yep. You and know, if you said if we'd been if we'd managed to not let Anthony Scott get off the chain for ninety seconds, and we were defending two less goals, the game is very different. And 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 you'd actually go, that's actually a reasonable stance to take. But you've got to kick more than one more in to be happy the next half of football. Yeah. Uh, Walsh in sticks. Why was Kemp dropped against a tall forward line when he would have had uh, played third tall, uh, having played second tall before, allowing a midfielder to be at halfback to still be in the rotation, which hopefully means some fresher mids? Look, it's not a bad question. I hate it when they bring a guy in, they play him twice and drop him. Correct. And, I, and one of his games is really good. And one of his games, free, so, the West Coast game, sorry, he was he was all right. Yeah, he so, was. He was. I, I hate it when they do that. They make a guy toil and toil and toil to get a chance and they're last money in, first money out. That's exactly right. I, I just don't like it. I don't like the example it sets. I don't like what it does to the player's confidence. It didn't surprise me that we made the decision, mm. but I felt really bad for the kid because I just thought there was something more that you could persist with. Great. Adrian Salerno. You spent last week winding me up, Adrian, about apple desserts. And he said here, did we reach common ground on the apple dessert conversation? <laughs> yes, we reached the common ground that you're a madman. 
the Pampers Apple Lattice Puffs are not comparable to the fucking Danish you sent me. The Danish had sultanas in it. It was a, <laughs> it was a different pastry. It's not the same thing. This idea that, oh, they're, they're close. They're close. Well, a lemur is fucking close to a silverback ape. <laughs> like, it's not the same thing. So, like I said, you were winding me up. I He's a not, hard man to please, I was Adrian. not happy. <laughs> I didn't ask. I've known about that. You, you think, I feel like... Um, uh, Jack Klompas in Seinfeld. He's like, don't you think I've ever ridden in a Cadillac? Going, don't you think I've tried that apple Danish? Like, it's okay, but it's not as good as the Nana's apple crumble. Delicious. Yes, happy the, with that. The Emmeline's apple crumble, available from IGA. Oh, okay. If you're ever feeling a little bit more cash happy, that runs at about eleven ninety nine. Yep. So a lot more expensive. You can generally pick up the Nana's apple crumble for between four and five. I've got one in the fridge. Oh, wow. Is um, that for lunch? For lunch, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have one for dessert. Um the Emmeline's Apple Crumble, very nice. Okay. Down at your local IGA. They also do a kind of like a, um, a fudge, kind of like a mud cake thing. Similarly, okay. in a, in a, you can heat it up. You can yeah, serve I, it, I know the one. Serve it cold. I know the one. Very nice as well. Yep. I don't that, – that, that – It's not nourishing you. That totally competent <laughs> excuse for an apple Danish that, again, has the sultanas in it for some reason. Someone there's overstepped the mark in throwing those into the batch. You know, I think we need to have a word about that. Um, it's totally fine. It is not as good as the old Pampers Apple Lattice Puffs. It's not as good as the Nana's Apple Crumble. And I've got to say, it's probably behind the Nana's uh, Snack Apple Pies. Can I give you one? Go I don't to- like the Sara Lee Deep Dish Apple Crumble either. I'm not okay. about that. I don't like that. Can you go to Egon's at Macedon Square mm-hmm. in Lower Templestowe and go to go in and get an Apple Danish from there? They're, they're, Are they like the, the Baker's Delight Apple Danishes? They've got kind of like a lattice work on top. No, this is like a a bit of a a flat log number that has a little bit of... I'll be producing uh, one of those later. (laughs) That has a bit of uh, pink icing on the top, but it it may have sultanas in it. Pink icing on an apple Danish? Well, it was just... It's something a little bit... Just try it. Because if you're you're a fan of uh, apple desserts... Just try one. Well, I'll give one a go. Because it, it, it might be in your wheel bag. It might not be. So. See, the beauty of the Pampers Lattice Puff was that you needed to have about four of them to feel, like, <laughs> nourished. But, which made the, the fact that they came in a pack of six difficult. Yes. Because you had to probably have three yep. and then another three. Um, they just had these beautiful, like, diced apples and they had the kind of, like, lovely kind of uh, – like not a sauce, but it was like the sort of it was they were like a little bit of juice, yep. and then they had the beautiful kind of like I've described it the other day. It was almost like a like a silicony kind of like it sat on top this kind of pastry. Oh, absolutely delightful! Don't know why they went away. Well, have a crack at the Egon's one, see if you can get something out of it. Uh, Daniel, what's wrong with George Hewitt? He's a shell of the player he was last year. Is it lingering back issues? It's probably lingering hand issues. Because he had both, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I didn't think he was that bad Saturday night. Again, once we got going, yeah, he actually fitted well, and obviously did. the big, the big snap goal around the corner yes. that just floated and floated and kept going. Very happy with that one. Um, Locks a high ball in our forward line, doesn't he, George? There's, there's not a lot of trace a bullet type action. He's, he certainly operates in three dimensions. Chris Mormon, uh, one question is: Should Voss be gone if we lose the next four? But perhaps a more pertinent follow up is: Would the club have the stones, the minerals, as we would say? Um, the Cajones, to make another coaching change that quickly after the last. The answer, look, Chris, the answer to that is, I think it depends on the circumstance. Yeah, that's it. The that's it. knee-jerk reaction is, 
no, because Sayers doesn't want to be that guy. He doesn't want to be the John Elliott, Weslofts, brutal, you're done, you're gone. Well, and I think, as you say, us as supporters know when things are working. And if the players are running around and they look upbeat and they're enjoying their footy and they're putting in effort, but the result isn't coming, then I don't think you hang the bike. But if if it's just not working on every single level and he's had the opportunities to make change and it hasn't happened, I, I think we all know the answer to the question. Because yeah. how do you persist with it? I- We've and, said and, this and before. think you can move forward with once it. You have, once you start having the conversation... Yeah. You probably know the answer to the question. You probably know the answer. Yeah. Um, Salvo, are we the worst coach team in the league? And then the follow-up is um, John Connell has uh, chimed in with, outcoached on game day again, beverage drops, lob back into the hole, and we take two quarters to react and find a way around him. Should Voss be handing the reins during the match to someone with better tactical nows? Well... As you've mentioned on pod before, and I've mentioned to a few people, it it was concerning when you revealed to us that having decided he wasn't good enough to be our senior coach, they offered Adam the role of tactician. Yep. Like that's that's not good. There's a haves and a have 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 nots in your review of the two and and they've done the old um old El Paso, uh, why not both? But obviously if you need the second, then the first is lacking something that you really covet as well. And Ashley Hansen was obviously the guy in the end that they threw the money at to give you the tactical nous that you knew or you feared that you didn't have in the first instance. How much of Cripp's lack of impact is our game plan slash onus on him slash just being figured out? That's from Michael Cerevolo. Well, every team in the competition is going to have a best player. And if your best player is getting it and using it, you're, you are going to be better. Equally... Any team that coaches against you is going to try and find a way to limit the influence of your best player. And now, we know Josh Dunkley had a very good game against Brisbane. He butchered the footy, but people seem to forget about that. He was still the best player on the ground. Um, and Cripps was okay. Do we do we go back to wanting him to be the release player? Win it, release. Be a bull, be a bullocker. Win it, get it out. Yeah, but he's also our captain, and you want to see him striving and pushing us. No, we can still do that, but yeah. just just first and foremost, extractor. Yeah, get the ball out. Um, George, last one here. The idea of Nathan Buckley there, in some capacity, as support for Voss has me salivating. Two of the toughest characters and personalities in the AFL. My question is, how can we fit Bucks in? He's clearly yearning for a role at a new club. It does sound like he's kind of beginning the Nathan Buckley return tour. He's selling tickets, pre-sales, maybe getting back into the game. It is very difficult to replace that high six-figure salary anywhere else. Um, There's something about Bucks that it's Robert Walls at Richmond. Yeah. Where it's like there's just something about it that's wrongly on my part, admittedly. You're kind of like it just doesn't fit. I I just question – Bucks's success, like I, I think, I think he clearly knows football. Mm. Um, I, I've heard people say he was too footy, and he didn't allow. He didn't. Give, that was one of the shifts, wasn't it? Yeah, he, he never gave the Collingwood players enough time just to be, mm. and that's been one of the biggest salvations through McRae is 
He's getting them to enjoy footy. There's enough tuition to be able to say this is how we want to play, but then he's also giving the players enough space just to be and to grow and build a team and camaraderie and all that sort of stuff. And and Bucks missed that. Mm. Now, is that something that you can fundamentally change? Don't know. But does he have more tactical nous than what Voss has got? And could he be a better fit for us? Well, that's a maybe. And, and, as, and as you say, if you're going to move party A on, you kind of need a party B to be able to say, this is going to allow us to be able to move forward. You know, could he potentially be the guy? I don't know. I like that, Tim. And that is a good segue into... Johnny Rain Clouds. Do you have a Johnny Rain Cloud for me? I do. Excellent. This is such a refreshing fab. I usually look over and he goes, I've only been doing this segment for like two years. Nope. Most dissatisfiedly, if that's a word, I drove home mm. on Saturday night and I thought, I'm hungry. I'm going to eat something. KFC was closed on Doncaster Road. I drove through the drive-through to find this out, mind you. Usually, all the lights being off is a good. Uh, I couldn't quite indicator. work it out, and so in the end, I stood at the speaker. I, I sat in the car at the speaker for a little while, and uh, there was no answer. And I think there were people still inside, and they were cleaning up, but they weren't trading. So it was like, okay, I'm going down to Macca's on the corner of Blackburn Road and Doncaster Road, and it's always a bit hit and miss there. And there's usually a bit of a um, a bit of a line, and sometimes. I'll go, I ain't even going in the line. I'm going to park, I'm going to walk in, I'm going to place my order on the screen, I'm going to wait for it, and I'm going to go back out to the car, and I reckon I'm going to beat the people in the line. I don't know whether there was somebody at the front of the line that had ordered 125 Big Macs, but at some point, the line was not moving whatsoever. So either point of sale was down, and they couldn't take your money, or somebody is stuck at the window or is arguing about, fucking mayonnaise on their McChicken. Mm. There is a waiting bay. There is a fucking lot of waiting bays if you want there to be. <laughs> There's a whole car park. <laughs> this is exactly right. Something was not working because I swear to God, I would have been eighth in line and I was in that line for 25 minutes. That That is not good customer service. Sorry, is this Blackburn Road McDonald's? It's Blackburn Road McDonald's. Mate, they have fallen off a cliff. Haven't they? And, and I finally I got up to the you. front. And, and a really young, attractive 21-year-old girl kind of said to me, I'm really sorry about the wait. And it's sort of like, well, what ch- what choice do I have when you're in that little laneway? Once you're in, there's no getting out. You're just reliant on people in front of you performing. And um, <coughs> it was horrific. So <clears throat> I've, t- I, I, I've spoken about this before. So when I used to work at the Video Easy next door, yeah. so there was this old – the old gentleman who was obviously the franchisee and owned – Blackburn Road, and he owned the one at Shopping Town. Yeah, okay. and he might even own the one at Macedon. He yeah, okay. may have owned like a bit of a triangle. Yeah, holy triumvirate. Um, but he absolutely owned uh, Shopping Town and Blackburn Road, Blackie Mackers, as it is known, even though it's not in Blackburn. Um, so he seemed like a really nice guy, and I don't, I'd come in in uniform on a break or whatever, and you know, hey, how you going? Really lovely. I think he ran. Like, not a fucking concentration camp, but I think he ran a really tight ship. Yep. And he, like, really standards-based. You know, he would be cleaning things up and he'd be very present in the shop and all that kind of stuff. And I think that, because that was, geez, that's 15-odd years ago. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised, because he would have been, he'd, he'd be, like, 90 
Wow. If he's Damn. if he's still with us. Yeah. So he might have sold up the franchise or whatever the case may be. Maybe dead. <laughs> um, on brand. On brand. But the standards and whatnot that he seemed to implement were like top notch. And yeah. you go to other McDonald's as people do in passing coming home from somewhere and you'd be you'd always be like, just in the back of my mind, be like That's not Blackie Mackers. No, Blackie Mackers got this one covered. Yeah, just in terms of the what he's expecting and the shop that he runs and the staff that he hires and how they present and how they whatever. And of late, I went there for something ages ago. I think I was coming back from a Box Hill game maybe or uh, whatever the situation was. And the same sort of thing. Like if you're going to have the self-serve thing, that kind of makes sense because yep. I like to customise my double cheeseburger into a double beef and bacon burger, Wow-wee. which used to be on the menu in its own right but is now gone. But I can make dead. it. It's dead. It's the double <laughs> beef and bacon burger. Rest in peace. Um, but you can make it by proxy using the customised menu. Of course. Perfect. And if there's a bit of a line there at the counter, it's easy enough. Can you fucking fill the receipt roll? Yes. Yes. I don't know how many times I've gone there and it's like, yeah, you'll get a receipt with your order number on it and it just goes, da 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 yep. There's no paper in the yep, thing. Yep. Done it many a time. And you go, so what's my number? Oh, it's fucking gone. Yeah. Yeah. What order am I? Oh, shit. So you have to wander over to the counter and try to spot it on the little screen going, yeah, I think yeah. I'm 26 yeah. or whatever. Just little – it's like the football club. Just little standards. Just yeah. fill the fucking receipt roll. There is one person's – that's one person's role. Whoever it is, get it done. I ain't doing it. Yeah. It's like our kick-ins. It's like <laughs> just fix it. It's so funny you mentioned this because my Johnny Raincloud is uh, KFC. Oh, wow, wait. Um <laughs> When like why do the people at KFC act like I'm speaking Portuguese when I ask for fries? Wow! Like I'll say like oh because occasionally I've said this. Do they have chips? They have chips. Yeah, there you go. It's the same thing. <sighs> well, when you are in the fast food industry, you are aware that but there is I, a competing. Tim, <laughs> I don't think they're being like a smart ass. I just think they're dumb. I don't think they're like. Now, what was that again? Sorry, got to repeat that. Like, and they're making you say, McChicken. Yep. I want a chicken burger. Like, what was that? And you're like, well, can I get some nuggets? You know, what was that? You're like, fucking McNuggets. Sure. Yeah. I'll play this game. Yeah. I think that they're just dumb. And you're like, can I have some, uh, can I have some fries? Because I like sometimes, and particularly when the fries are the, like they're $2 for a large fries, and you might just be going somewhere, and you're like, I'm not, I'm not hungry, but I'll grab a $2 large fries just to get me from A to B and get me to the next meal. Yeah, what was that? Fries. Some well, fries. Well, as you say. What was that? You if, some fucking chips. <laughs> and as you say, if it was somebody that was really, really bright and was going, this is how I get my jollies yes. in my role, you're going, I can respect Fine. that. Fine. Yeah. Of, of, of all the people, Tim, yeah. I can appreciate that. <laughs> but I don't know about you. I just feel like Maccas, Hungry Jacks, KFC, Red Rooster, etc. This could be something for the people. Get in touch with us. I've got a question for everyone. We might do it briefly here. So obviously all of these fast food joints kind of hoover up young workers. Correct. Because that's a lot of people's first job at a Coles or a Safeway or a fast food joint. Cass' first job was Hungry Jack's. There you go. Exactly right. So you know, a bit of a rite of passage, your first job at a fast food joint, a supermarket, whatever. Maccas hoover up, I think, the cream of the crop. (laughs) <laughs> However they achieve this, I'm not sure. But they seem to have a much more stringent vetting program, a yep. process. And then after that, 
It's a fucking just shit, shit show. It's you never know what you're going to get. It's a race to the bottom. Oh, it's like what is going on? So people out there, rate for me the quality of the young workforces of McDonald's, KFC, Hungry Jacks, and Red Rooster. I'm going to do it for us now. McDonald's is number one by the length of the Flemington Strait. It's not even, and even then, it's slipped, but it hasn't slipped enough to be supplanted. I'm going to put Hungry Jacks at two. Yep. They are competent. They are incredibly rude. Where do you go for Hungry Jacks? Uh, oh, I, I never get it as a point of I'm going out to get it, but there's the one on the way back from um, like when we do the records at Fab's. It's in the service station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, on uh, Manningham Road. Bulleen, yeah, Bulleen, Bulleen yep. probably call it. Yep. So Hungry Jacks, generally speaking, are competent, but they're also like they just seem to hire like mean girls. Yep. From high school, yes, with just no charm. Yeah, <laughs> they're just rude, but at least they get things right. So, Kath got bullied at uh, Bulleen Plaza. Doesn't surprise Jacks. me. Yeah. Based on the the workforce yep. there, some. Yep. So it hasn't changed. Culture remains twenty the same. odd years later, yep. still the same. Hungry Jacks is number two. Like I said, rude but competent. Number three, I'm gonna put Red Rooster there at three. Well, we with no confidence. I think. They're not quite like the fucking warlocks in like the time machine or something, but Jesus Christ, it's, it can be a struggle. But you're kind of you're relatively confident that they're on top of things. And then KFC is at four. We've spoken about this on the pod before, I know. But why is everyone dirty? <laughs> like they've got that white powder, like flour or whatever yes, it is. Like yes. you, they open the window and everyone's everyone's dirty. Everyone looks like they're working at the at the, the kitchen at fucking Auschwitz. And it's like. What is happening here? This place is a filthy mess. <laughs> you all look like, and everyone's like, they're all in a hurry, and the window comes forward, and it's like, they're, what do you need? Like, they're hunted. They're under pump. I don't know. So, Maccas, Hungry Jacks, Red Rooster, KFC. Okay. I will watch, and I'll see if uh, I would venture any differently, because it sounds pretty much in keeping with my experience. Yes, that seems. I think you could. I think KFC and Red Rooster are interchangeable. Yep. I think we're splitting hairs there. If somebody wants to put one or the other, I'm not going to argue with them. Yep. But my God, I think of presentation, if nothing else, Red Rooster just gets them. Yep. Next time you go to KFC, take a notice. Take a look at when you open that window. Just how dirty everyone is. <laughs> I could do it straight after this potentially. I like it. Uh, Tim Davis, that's excellent. That brings us to a close. Fantastic. Have you enjoyed yourself today? I really have, Excellent. yeah. Hopefully the listeners have enjoyed us as well. If you if you haven't given us a rating and review, we said that off the top, do it wherever you listen to us, and we'll give you a shout-out. We really appreciate that. Really appreciate people getting in touch via the uh, the DMs and the like on Twitter. Um, yeah, thank you very much. Always a pleasure, Sean. It is always a – well, <laughs> well, <laughs> sorry to be with you, but maybe not what we're serving up lately. For, for Bag and Ash, not here – Thank you for absolutely nothing, not contributing at all. We're going to see what we can get at trade time, open up the offers. For Tim Davis, you've already said always a pleasure. For me, Sean Peterbach, thank you very much for listening. We'll catch you next weekend. Why is this not playing? There it is. Ha-ha! Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with Fingers crossed, everybody knows the war is over, everybody knows the good guys lost, everybody knows the 
fight was fixed The poor stay poor The rich get rich That's how it goes Everybody knows Everybody knows that the boat is leaking Everybody knows the captain lied Everybody got this broken feeling Just die. Everybody talking to their pockets. Everybody wants a box of chocolates and a long stem rose. Everybody knows. Everybody knows that you love me, baby. Everybody knows that you really do. Everybody knows you've been discreet But there were so many people you just had to meet Without your clothes And everybody knows Everybody knows Everybody knows That's how it Everybody knows 
Oh.